Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, and welcome to the championship weekends as we get ready for championship basketball in Fort Wayne and Pittsburgh. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Things running a little bit slow on our end, but we'll roll through it here. I uh, hope you don't mind. I think we just loaded a little too much video because we got a lot of video to talk about tonight. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can... Um, Join us on Facebook, where we hope to simulcast the show. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville is where you can get a hold of us. Look forward to hearing from all of you as we roll along here on the show. Uh, congratulations to the eight teams remaining in the NCAA tournaments for men's and women's basketball. Congratulations to them on getting through. Very tough brackets, to say the least. Um, and here we are. Here, here we are. Uh, and we're going to crown two new champions. That is for sure. Um, great games all around. They were outstanding on Friday and Saturday. The tournament has certainly lived up to expectations. And again, congratulations to all. We no longer have an undefeated in women's basketball. The number one team has been eliminated. And on the men's side, we still have our number one team in the top 25. Um, let's see women's side, uh, top 12, all four teams are from on the men's side, top 16, all four teams aren't from not too bad. If I do say so myself, well, as I said, thrilling games all around, what we're going to do on the show tonight is we'll go recap. We'll share some uh, press conferences or sounds from those press conferences from both sides, even look at kind of a flashback in time as it were. Um, also we'll, uh, talk to some of those who are participating, uh, next weekend, Pat Coleman will have a sit down with Kyle Brummett from Wabash that we'll broadcast here in a bit. We'll also hear from both Marietta and hope we'll have student athletes from both, uh, on the show and kind of had a conundrum because on the men's side, we've talked to all four programs that are in the final four since the NCAA tournament was announced, which is not normal, usually we have one or two that maybe we talked to earlier in the season. We've just been waiting and just didn't talk to them now. Um, on the women's side, we had talked to a lot of them recently as well. So kind of a hodgepodge on how we're putting it together. We debated long and hard about who to have on the show, who not to, and all that. So a little bit quirky. Men's side, we literally had th three three of the teams on in the last three shows. That's how our timing worked. Sometimes it just works out that way. What can I say? Uh, again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're literally trying to push that out the door. Not sure why it's not working. Uh, doing our best. It We had set it up, got it all set to go, and it disappeared on us. So, c'est la vie, as they say, c'est la vie. But uh, we're doing our best. Uh, YouTube, we are there, youtube.com slash hoopsville. Um, Logamer apparently is really thrilled with his bracket prediction. Logamer, unless I knew it was before we got to this point, you could tell me you picked the top four, and I'll congratulate you for that. But we don't have any proof you actually did it. That's the little trick to it. Um, Let's talk about championship weekend, and then we'll go back quickly. A reminder, um, women's basketball will take place Thursday. Those games, 5 and 7.30. Then Friday off, Saturday championship, 2 o'clock. Thursday's games will be on NCAA.com, and you'll find those links on D3Hoops.com. And then Saturday's games on CBS Sportsnet. Same broadcasters for all those games. 
I'll get you those names here in a bit. I actually misplaced them. Oh, no, I can probably call them up here in a, in a little quicker than I thought. Um, and on the men's side of things, uh, the champion semifinals are Friday and then at 5 and 7.30. And the championship game is then, what is it, 6 o'clock on Saturday, I believe. Um, the semifinals will, feature, will be on NCAA.com. It'll be... Um, Brendan Gulick and myself. Brendan was the uh, host for the women's selection uh, show, if you may remember. And he and I have actually, this will be the second time we've called the games in Fort Wayne together. We've called games before. Brendan's actually a graduate of um, of John Carroll. Calls games for Baldwin-Wallace and many other places. Calls a lot of D1 stuff. On the women's side, it's Leah Secondo and Alex Del Barrio. There you go. Leah Secondo and Alex Del Barrio. And they'll be calling it for both. Uh, the championship game for men's basketball will be on CBS Sports Network. That will be Jason Knapp and Mo Cacera. I know mo- both gentlemen. That'll be an outstanding game. Jason Knapp calls a tremendous game. He calls a lot of stuff, including curling, including curling and lacrosse and tennis and all kinds of things. He's a renaissance man in terms of play-by-play. That'll be a good broadcast, to say the least. Uh, Travis John, I'm not sure it's been asked before. Well, why isn't Christopher Newport in the ODAC? Is the conference too big as it is? Well, first off, it is too big. Second, technically, Christopher Newport is a state school. And as a result, uh, they don't qualify for the ODAC. The ODAC is nothing but privates. So that's the easiest answer is why the Christopher Newport's not in the ODAC. Uh, it is a state institution and the rest of the entire ODAC is not state institutions. So that's your easy answer. Could they work in that conference? Sure. We could arguably say they could work out in that conference and 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 fit in in all their sports. Um, but I just don't, it, it, it's not going to work. If, if it would have worked out, it would have worked out by now. Let's put it that way. Again, apologize uh, for any issues we're having on the stream uh, today. For some reason, the computer's just being a little bit sluggish today, but hopefully everything clears up as we roll along here on the show. Again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can um, email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. Let's talk about the women's side of things first and foremost, shall we? Start off on Saturday with some great games. Springfield actually gave Trine a bit of a game. Uh, Springfield won the second half, um, 30-23, to 23, was it? I believe it was, but ended up losing that game by nine. Christopher Newport, uh, the number one team in all the land, lost to Trinity, Texas, in a game that Trinity really, for the most part, second half they didn't win. Uh, they got outscored 36-29 in the second half, but they played so well against the captains. Uh, I, I actually, a couple times, and I say this seriously, was watching the broadcast thinking maybe I had the uniforms wrong, because again, they were at Amherst, and that Christopher Newport was wearing the darks, because I, I thought I was watching Christopher Newport play. Uh, the way Trinity handled them, both full court pressure from Trinity and and breaking down the full court pressure from uh, Christopher Newport, and then slicing and dicing through the defense, did the did the Tigers really impressed with Trinity, uh, and really after that win, thought they would get to the Final Four. Uh, NYU handled Scranton. You know, Scranton got out to a good start. It was a second quarter that NYU exploded twenty four thirteen, and that ended up being the big factor. They ended up doing that in the fourth quarter too, twenty one thirteen. Uh, in that one, ended up winning by 19. Uh, Oshkosh ended Baldwin-Wallace's great season. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor in Transylvania had a dandy of a game, came right down to the end, and Transylvania won by five. And, of course, Amherst and Tufts had, uh, as Gordon put it, a game that uh, was a crime to basketball. 
in terms of lack of defense. So 48-45, not the worst score we've seen between those two programs. Tufts came back, got it to within a few. They won the second half, actually, uh, 27-17, um, but just couldn't get enough to get over the hump. Amherst ended up winning that one. And then Hope easily handled Milliken, which was really interesting considering how good Milliken was this year. And then Whitewater and Smith came down to the end. I forgot to call up this video. Smith had a chance, end of regulation, right? No, end of overtime. Uh, ball game tied, have the ball, few seconds left, have a chance at the last um, shot or inbounding the ball in front of their own bench. It gets tipped, turned over to Whitewater, who wastes little time, goes down the other end of the court, hits the layup with a second, or no, um, less than a second, I think, left on the clock. Uh, interesting enough, Carrie Carollo was calling timeout, but no one heard and saw her. And Whitewater gets the win in a dramatic fashion, 78-76. Got to gotta feel bad for Smith on that one, but a heck of a season for them. Of course, that set up the uh, games on Saturday. Transylvania and Trine actually had a really good game. Transylvania got out to a 19-8 start, but it was a 21-4 second quarter that Trine used to absolutely manhandle Transylvania. Uh, Transylvania only scored eight points in the second and third quarters combined. It had a furious comeback in the fourth, but it was uh, too tough a hill to climb. Lose by seven. Try and moves on to the final four. Um, Amherst and Trinity was a good game. Trinity again got out to a good start, but Amherst ended up ended up, turned up the wick on the offense, which is saying something because we're not used to them scoring offensively all that much. It's more of a defensive game for the uh, Mammoths, and they got the win, seventy nine seventy eight. Hope got the win over NYU, 83-64, in a game that was actually close till about midway through the third quarter. Then suddenly Hope absolutely exploded offensively. Um, but these two teams, it was a one-point game at the end at halftime. Hope with the lead. Third quarter, it was nip and tuck. And then about midway through the quarter, Hope just opened it up. And then Whitewater and Oshkosh had a dandy, of course, a Wyack battle there. No surprise there. Started kind of slow, 8-7 after the first quarter. Oshkosh was leading um, by six at halftime. Then Whitewater ended up uh, shutting down Oshkosh in the fourth quarter to win by six. So let's talk about those. We'll start with who is basically the top seed remaining uh, in Hope. We'll start with their press conference. This was after the game, talking about everything that um, led up to getting to another championship weekend. Uh, by the way, it's Brian Morehouse, Kennedy Schofield, uh, Sidney uh, Muller, and Olivia Vosco. First of all, um, hats off to NYU for a great season. Um, they were the best team we've played all year long. Um, I thought they were fantastic. Uh, big, long, strong, great guards. Um, I thought our defense did a really nice job in trying to limit their post players. Um, and you know, I thought we, uh, we, we had a really good game plan. Kelly Carlson had the scouting report. I thought he had real, us really, really ready uh, coming out this morning uh, and this afternoon in our scout. And I think it showed in the game. And then uh, I thought the combination of great players rising up during this game and also uh, just an amazing backing from the community. Um, 30, how many, 400, 30, whatever we had here. It was unbelievable and it was loud and it made a difference. Um, it means a lot, honestly. I mean, um, we were just grateful to be playing in the Sweet 16 this week, given that two years ago we were supposed to play here and it got shut down. Um, so we were just really, really grateful to have those games. Um, but to be able to now say that we're going to a Final Four is just indescribable. It was one of the best feelings that I've had. For me personally, I was on crutches two years ago when we would have been playing in the Sweet 16 on one knee. So this has been a lot of hard work and a lot of perseverance. So like to be part of 
this team is such a family. So like to be able to go all these years with them and build up on everything that we've worked on to finally get to the final four is like Ken said, like indescribable. Like the joy that I feel looking at each person on this team, one through 16, all the coaches is indescribable for sure. Yeah, I would echo the same thing Sid said. Um, I think you grow up and you dream of what it's going to feel like to make it to a Final Four, and that felt a lot better than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, it was unbelievable. And just been long, hard battle. And, I mean, the, the perseverance that these women showed, I mean, the, the coaches, the coaches, you know, we, we've been there before. Um, and I think that may be, might be why we want to go back so badly. Uh, that's you know why basically we're crying on the bench at the end of the game, our coaching staff, because we've been there before. And, um, and, it, and not because we want to go back, we as coaches. We, we, we want to go back, but we want this group to have that experience. And as sad as I am that you know the Kayla Russells and some of those kids didn't get it, couple years ago and Mal and Ash and and um, Jess Mormon and Newman and and that crew didn't get it um, maybe just in a little small way this can help them get over the disappointment of not having a chance to really validate their seasons um, you know this whole season um, I mean if you think about last spring we end that last game against trying and I mean, our, our kids went to work the next day. And they became significantly better players since last March. I mean, I can go right down the line with all the three people up here and tell you what they've improved on. And up and down the line of our team, uh, just have our players improved that much. We don't get there this year with being the same as we were last March. If we don't improve, we aren't going to Pittsburgh. And credit to our players. I mean, they're running the stairs in July in 103-degree heat out at the soccer stadium. They're running on the track all summer long with some crazy workout our trainer, um, you know, they asked our trainer for, and they're going, and they're in here shooting all the time. I mean, they earn this. And that's what I told them this morning in shoot-around. I said, you have earned the right to play great tonight because of the time and preparation that you have put in. Now go do it. Great to hear there from uh, Coach about all of that and uh, the, the work ethic and everything they've been wanting. Of course, uh, Hope and Randolph making two teams that have basically been on top for three seasons. You could argue trying women in that conversation as well, but certainly the Hope women and Randolph making men. And good to see Hope getting that opportunity to come back, though. Certainly had a battle. Um, kind words about NYU in that one. Of course, they'll face off against Trine and the Trine women's basketball team getting past Transylvania in a rematch. This will be the third time, or Hope's going to try and beat Trine a third time as they face off a fourth time. Of course, Whitewater just got past Oshkosh doing the same, and Amherst got past uh, Tufts doing the same. But we heard from Trine after their game. Yeah, first of all, I want to congratulate Transylvania. Um, they've had a great year, and they're a great team, and uh, um, they put on a really, really good tournament, and uh, um, they they stretch us to everything we had, but I'm really proud of my team and how we fought through adversity, and uh, I kept looking them in the eye in the, in, in the, on the bench and just said confidence and belief, 
confidence and belief. And uh, we believed in one another and uh, we were able to pull us out. And uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting for uh, not only these seniors, but our whole team and just how hard they've worked. And uh, I, I just got to thank our uh, president, Dr. Brooks, and uh, our athletic director, Matt Land, just believing in us and this team. And um, we're excited. Coach, you were outscored 19 to 8 in the first quarter. You outscored them 35 to 7 in the middle two quarters. What happened? We, we played trying defense. Um, we really got after it. And uh, these girls really locked in and into to, uh, some of the tendencies of, the, of their team. And we talk about that all the time. Our scouting, I think these three will tell you, is really on par with what, what we have to do. And it was a quick turnaround. And so for them to really just mentally be focused on what we had to do against certain individuals was really credit to them and how hard they prepare as well. Um, but I thought we did a really good job keying in on, on certain individuals that make them go. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we, we talked about it really hard about rebounding the basketball because, you know, um, they really crashed the offensive glass and really go after it. And we just needed to rebound the ball. And we just we did enough to get it done. I think in that first quarter, we were a little passive. We weren't being aggressive. Um, and there was a lot of nerves, you could tell. We just weren't playing our trying basketball, and especially offensively. We, you know, I think we scored seven points in the beginning. And like, I don't know, in the first quarter. But we just, that, that wasn't us. And, you know, we just had to take a deep breath, um, attack the zone, because we were, we were staying outside of it and just settling for outside shots. And once we realized that um, the nerves would go away and we could just, attack that zone and it started to work for us. You know, like coming into this game, we knew there was going to be a lot of Transylvania fans. And we said, you know, we've been here before. We did it at home. We can do it again. And I think just being like confident in our playing ability and just being focused on what we need to do and like get the job done, I think that's what really helped us. We didn't really let like the fans get to us, I think, tonight, which was a big part of the win. Yeah, also just coming in, um, just confidence and knowing that it doesn't matter what people are saying in the stands or the noise. If we do our job, we will silence them and we won't have to worry about them at all. So just knowing our tendencies, like Frank said, and um, just playing trying basketball, we were going to be able to come out with a victory. I think one thing that helped us is that uh, I told these girls, I, I felt like the, all the pressure was on Transylvania. Um, you know, uh, winning all those games and winning a lot of them by a large margin. I felt like if we get them in a close game, I don't know how they would react. And uh, and um, I'm not sure. I, I just feel like we just um, that was a key for us. We just came in like the underdogs, and that's the way we treated it at Hope too. And then we just needed to believe that we could get it done. And there was a big belief in this team that we could get it done. Interesting comments there. We hear from a coach about being the underdog uh, at Hope. Interesting enough, maybe they should have been the underdog at their own place because they lost it to hope twice of course again we should point out you've got the rematch there between trine and hope that is coming up um and then of course uh whitewater advancing on in dramatic fashion to the say the least they got the ch the win over oshkosh and we heard from carrie carollo and her team after their game these ladies to the left and to the right of me put together just some real tough hard-nosed basketball we knew that Every possession was going to be a big, important possession. And um, at halftime, I told them, I know we were going to play a little bit tight, but we had to just let it fly. And as you can see, um, especially Rebecca, she just let it fly. And uh, 
and that's what I love about this group. They're, they're not afraid of the moment. They want the ball in their hands, and um, just some really tough, gritty defense in the fourth quarter to shut down um, some looks that they were getting, and um, yeah, just putting together two or three possessions there that were so crucial with about two and a half minutes left um, for us to get some big stops, and then Casey hitting a big three, and then finishing with the two around the rim um, kind of sealed the game. Yeah, and Rebecca, I'll start with you as the fifth-year senior. Um, goodness, uh, that was quite a performance, a shooting performance. Um, what was your approach going into that game? Um, yeah, I early on tried to take smart shots. Um, then once I saw a few go in, I kind of just, <laughs> I didn't think about it. I just shot it until um, about the last like three minutes, and I cooled down a little bit. knew we had to <laughs> run the clock. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't really thinking about my shot. I just shot it. Aaliyah, um, you know, talk to me about what it means to you, um, you know, to, to help this program get to a Final Four, um, you know, in, in just your, well, second year of eligibility-wise, but your third year with the program. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you can't even put it into words. It's an incredible feeling. Obviously, we're not done yet, but just the feeling all around, the atmosphere, being able to play with, Everyone on the team, we always talk about how we're 19 best friends, sisters, everything in between. We do anything for each other, go to war for each other, so I wouldn't want to be in this position with anyone else. Thanks. And Casey, a couple big buckets at the end there, but I did want to ask you, it is a family affair <laughs> um, <laughs> for you. Um, what does it mean for you to come in in your first year, put on that jersey, and go to a Final Four? It's basically just like my life goal, all coming together. <laughs> um, it's awesome. Like Aaliyah said, I'll, I'll bounce off of her. Like these, My teammates are my best friends, my sisters, everything. And to have my parents be my coaches, it just, it's really, really special. And obviously I cry after every game because I'm so proud of my mom and my dad and all my teammates. And to be a freshman and be able to play with them is incredible. I'm the coolest year of my life, to be honest. So <laughs> very, very grateful. Uh, really cool to hear that from them. We, we had Carrie Carrillo on the show, you might remember, uh, earlier this season, and we talked about that just actually late in the year. And we talked about that Final Four. Misplaced the picture. I can't believe I did that. But misplaced the picture that we had of Carrie uh, and her husband and her daughter at the 2013 Final Four. Uh, this is the picture that D3 Photography took after the, the uh, game was won. You can see a very emotional uh, family moment there and hats off to the Corollos on getting back to the Final Four. Now, if you're wondering, interesting side note, this is a rematch of the 2013 semifinals between Amherst and Whitewater. That one came down to the end. It was played at the DeVos Center in um, at Hope, sorry, at Hope College. Came down to the end, and here's a flashback to what that one was like. Rebound Palmer, here they come, Merg's got it. Three to shoot, Merg's gotta go quickly, she's gotta heave it, gets it off in time! Yes! Oh <laughs> the Merg family again. <laughs> Extra time in Holland. What a great job by Richard, she was confident and patient. She was gonna pull up for the three and then saw the open lane. Find Merg, here she comes, two seconds, one second to win it! Yes! Oh! And she wins it! 
What a fantastic job by Mary Merg. She has been a standout in the last 10 minutes of this game. Not once, but twice. Thank you very much. Mary Merg, three at the horn in regulation, forces overtime. Runner in overtime wins it. And with Okay, one is good. <laughs> Two is just gravy. You're, 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 at this point, it's showing off. <laughs> um, you know, I just knew that my team had confidence in me, and they've always had confidence in me when a buzzer goes down, if, if it's the end of the shot clock or a end of a half. And I knew that, you know what, why not, why not put in my hands? I'm a junior, I'm an upperclassman, and mm -hmm. everybody has, they have faith in me. And, and so I just took it <laughs> and went with it. So I'm very fortunate, and I have to thank um, Alex Scarborough up in heaven for the little help. Mm -hmm. Of course, team was 0 for 6 from beyond the arc for 37 plus minutes hit four straight at the end of the first half or second half of course you hit one off balance one and then one at the buzzer to force overtime uh, just talk about how the confidence certainly seemed to swing in those last two minutes yeah i think it started with uh, our guard megan Thini. she hit the first three to kind of like get the sink back on you know i think the first three kind of like okay we can breathe we got this we do know how to make threes and so i think and then we just started running plays for threes and just to get us back in the game and I think all of us guards kind of stepped up and took that role, and we made it work for us. So that was 2013. Believe it or not, that is Mary Merg and myself. Yeah, looking a little bit younger, a little bit less gray, to say the least. Um, so congratulations, Wisconsin-Whitewater. Again, uh, the two coaches and daughter heading to the Final Four yet again this time as a full team. Um, it was 2013 when that Amherst game took place. Of course, they could meet in the championship game. Oh, no, they're meeting in the semifinals. I'm sorry. Uh, that 2013 Williams and Amherst could have met in the championship game. Back to Hope. A couple notes I uh, took from that. By the way, uh, said NYU was the best team they'd played all season. Interesting note, considering they lost to try and beat them twice. Don't know if that was just in the moment type thing. Hope on pace, by the way, to break Whitman's tourney scoring mark. Granted, they could play one more game, apparently, uh, according to Gordon Mann. Uh, and and uh, Brian Morehouse saying that they sh shot 100 free throws every day this past week, working on their free throw shooting. Uh, let's switch over to the men quickly because we got a lot to get through there on the men's side. Um, don't hear from as many guys, but we'll talk about the fact that um, on the men's side of things, of course, uh, Friday was a dandy of a day. Had some great games. Christopher Newport, though, smoked Stockton. RPI and, and WPI came right down to the end. RPI won the first half 29-27. WPI won the second half 29-26. And that ended up being the difference as WPI ended up winning that one. RPI had two looks at chances to win it late um, and couldn't get it done. A missed three-pointer. And then the inbounds play deflected uh, back into WPI and ends up going WPI's way. Uh, Elmers and Calvin had a dandy of a game. Calvin uh, looked like they ran out of gas, had the lead, and Elmers came back on him to win by two. Wabash and Williams, a great game, at least in the first half. Wabash put him uh, Williams away in the second half, winning by 11 in the second half to win the game by 12. Marietta and Oswego was actually a really good game. Second half was a nail-biter. Marietta ended up winning by eight. Uh, Randolph-Macon and Mass Dartmouth was great until the 632 mark of the first half, and then it was all Randolph-Macon from there. It was tied 32-32 at that point. Mass-Dartmouth scored only two more points in the second half and could not stop the juggernaut, not that is the Yellow Jackets. Case Western Reserve and Mary Harden Baylor. Case Western Reserve had the ball in their hand, the end of regulation on a steal that would have ended the game. Or seemingly ended the game. Unfortunately, couldn't. Allowed Mary Harden Baylor to come from behind the closing seconds 
to force overtime and then lost by five. And then Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton had a great CCIW battle. Ended up going Illinois Wesleyan's way at home at the Shirk Center, by the way. Uh, not sure you're allowed to play the fight song at home, just for the record, at an NCAA tournament game, unless you're playing both fight songs. Just something I took away from that game. It went on to Saturday, and of course, Marion Baylor and Christopher Newport played the game we expected. Christopher Newport led by seven in the first half, had a bigger lead in the first half. And then Marietta um, came out strong in the second half, scored 51 points against that captain squad in the second half alone to win 81-79 in a really good game and exactly what we expected that one to be. Randolph-Macon had an easier time with WPI than many of us expected. I think that tells you just how darn good. Randolph-Macon is now at 31-1 on the year. They won 76-53, and that WPI team is no slouch. Uh, Elmers and Mary Harden-Baylor. Mary Harden-Baylor had a couple looks at uh, uh, winners both in regulation and then in overtime, and actually a tying shot. Elmer's defense was tremendous. Elmer's came from, I think, 15 down in that game. They were down by four in the first half, went went on to win. First punch it ticked, 80, first ticket punch to the final four, 87-84. And then Wabash had a tremendous second half. We're down by five at half, came from behind to win uh, 81-75 over Illinois Wesleyan. And... Uh, as a tremendous Wabash team, first time back since 82 in a game that was a rematch of the 82 championship game. Got a chance to hear from Elmers, though, after their championship victory and moving on to the championship weekend, or I should say sectional win. That was, uh, I think, two high-level teams with a lot of talent on both sides. And, uh, you know, I think if you look, peeking at the stats, I mean, that's, it was pretty much an even game. I mean, the turnovers and the boards and what guys shot, um, we're living a charmed life, I guess. We, right now, we're on the, the right end of it, and you just gotta you gotta take it when you can get it. Tom, I'm gonna start with you. Um, you guys have been down last few games, double digits here in this game. What is it about this team that you can fight back every single game, game after game? Yeah, um, I think we're just really together. Um, you know, we always battle back, uh, no matter what the circumstances are. Um, you know, I think every game so far, except for the first round, um, we've been down at halftime. So. You know, we, we didn't we didn't really get rattled with this game. Um, we really uh, stayed together, and you know, we came out on top. Yeah. yeah so as uh, three games ago, we're down fourteen and a half. Uh, last game, we're down seven and a half. And after we won the game, I'm like, well, hopefully tomorrow we, we can cut it to four or something. We can work with that. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, getting uh, used to the play style of different teams, and once we get that figured out, it's uh, it's up from there. So. And then from all three of you, this is your first trip to the round of eight, and then first trip, obviously, to the final four. What does that mean for the program, and what does that mean for you guys? I mean, I, I think these two guys, in addition to everybody, but these guys came back for an extra year, and you, you can never guarantee anything like this. Um, but it's, um, I think we all knew we had the pieces to, to get to this place, and then you got to have the right things go your way. And um, um, so for the in terms of the program, I'm just so happy for the people that came before us because this was not just a one one year wonder. Now, we've been building the program. There's a lot of alums over the last 20 years that have really um, we've gotten the program in national rankings, and this is there's been some seeds already sown here that now our guys we've got some talent and those guys are starting to flourish. And I'm so happy for everybody that's been a part of that, even from not just this team but from back back then. Sorry, what was the question? You guys, first trip to the Final Four ever, what does that mean to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a special group of guys. We got, um, you know, you can go down our bench, and we got, you know, some of the most talented guys in the CCIW. So, um, you know, uh, 
Yeah, I just, I'm not going to say I expected it, but this is, we knew we were capable of this. Um, when we were playing our best basketball, um, we're better than, you know, we're just as good as anyone else in the country. And so, um, yeah, just, make, it's great to be playing our best basketball at the right time. Yeah, going off what they said, um, I was one of those guys who uh, did do the extra year, so we kind of got together and was like, should we bring the band back together after our season got cut short? And, um, you know, we all bought into the system and, um, you know, it, it really paid off. So that was the sound of Elmer's moving on to the tournament. We've also got a chance to hear from Randolph Macon in their post game. Josh Merkel joined by Buzz Anthony and Chase Fundenberg talked about getting the chance to play for a championship or at least get to the weekend. Uh, extremely grateful to, to be playing another week and coaching another week with these guys. I think I probably speak for our team. Uh, just an amazing crowd and support from the community. Uh, our, our guys defensively um, made plays. Great uh, second half. Uh, a lot of credit. I mean, that was a tough physical team. Some really good players, really well coached. And uh, just in this building on this night, um, you know, we were a little bit better for those 40 minutes. So. Um, my perspective is, is first half was definitely not as we intended. Um, we come in at halftime, and we always get better at halftime. And we knew it's, it, was, it was, in fact, a war. Um, but we got some big, strong guys. Um, I like to think I'm decently tough. But Miles, Bongay, some absolute dogs. Ian, big guy. Like, we knew we knew win that rebound battle in the second half, and that's going to make a big difference. Get that clean, clean rebound and get out and go. They definitely were, you know, physical, tough, strong guards. Um, a lot of stuff that we preach and we talk about. And, and uh, I do think, you know, we talked a lot leading up and this morning of like the ODAC has great defenses, and, and it was a very similar team. Dodak had a lot of really good front court players, and Miles has been taking that head on every, every game. Um, so we compared them a lot to that. We thought that our preparation in the ODAC. Uh, really, you know, gave us confidence. The Guilfords, the Roanoke's, packing it in. Uh, we thought guys could make shots over contest, and um, I think once we started hitting a couple of those, then it kind of opened up some more to start getting in the paint. I've had some really great mentors. I think of John Beeline and, and his mentorship, and just his teams always get better. We're just in here. We watch the film. It's all about the process, and then the players get all the credit. It's um, they they come in with great focus, sustained focus. Other guys have found different roles. Uh, everybody's superstar in their role. And of course, I mean, our, our, I call them our franchise guys. I mean, those guys continue to get better. I mean, Buzz is so unselfish, but also a winning defender. Uh, we got fourth and fifth year guys that are trying to figure out how to impact the game and add value each and every time out. Nobody cares who gets the credit. Um, we got some problem solvers, Ryan, is what I would say. It's not just coach out there. I mean, these guys are making decisions both offensively and defensively to help us figure things out. And then I, I'm going to come back to the ODEC. I, I think that league, we say it all the time, it prepares you to beat some of the best teams that you're going to see. And our schedule, I think, did that as well. And we talked about, you know, when you can conquer or beat someone that does some really good things. Let's take Guilford, for instance. Um, you, you take some of that power. So they were a really good rebounding team. We learned from them. And so we've been learning from everybody that we've been playing. And uh, we just got a great group of learners that are committed and care deeply about each other and about winning. Appreciate uh, everybody who got us a uh, um, video that we were able to use tonight. Not, every, uh, not all the pressers were available online, which I don't quite understand the point. Uh, I think something we can go back and look at certainly is uh, making sure press conferences are put online for everybody to see. At a later time, they have a purpose, and they certainly um, have good reasons for them. But not everybody was putting them online. 
Something will have to change, but those are the, who got me stuff. I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to move on and take a break. When we come back, Pat Coleman talks to Kyle Brummett from Wabash about punching the ticket to the f- championship weekend. We also will hear from Marietta and Hope. We'll have student athletes join us here. Uh, Isley uh, from Marietta, and we'll hear from Schoenfeld uh, from Hope. Uh, and then Pat Coleman will join us on the show to talk about the weekend that was and the weekend that is ahead of us. We'll also talk about the Jostens, which uh, the finalists have been announced. We'll talk about all that coming up on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. We want to thank our partners, not only the NABC, the WBCA, and Blue Frame Technology as well for their assistance. Back with more after a bit. are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander to step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. And welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody, as we continue on this uh, Monday evening um, as we wrap up the sectional weekend and look ahead to championship weekends and the Final Fours in Division Three men's and women's basketball. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. Also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, though for some reason not able to simulcast the show as of last we checked. Don't know why. Moving on. YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. We are simulcasting the show there. You're welcome to join us as we uh, roll along there. Um, and lots of other ways you can get a hold of us. We look forward to hearing from all of you. 
as we continue along. Uh, after the show, Pat Coleman got it, or after the show, after the uh, championship game or the sectional championship game in uh, in uh, Illinois at Illinois Wesleyan, Pat Coleman got a chance to sit down with Kyle Brummett, the head coach of Wabash, uh, as they got to uh, punch the ticket to the championship weekend for the for the first time since the 1980s. Do I get to say welcome back to Hoopsville? I don't even know what it's like to record a Hoopsville interview anymore. It has been so long since we have had a Division Three Final Four, but we're having one in the state of Indiana, and we're having an Indiana team that has advanced and will be hopefully bringing lots of people clad in red to Fort Wayne, Indiana. That is Wabash. Uh, they defeated Illinois Wesleyan 81-75 to on Saturday night. I'm Pat Coleman of D3Hoops.com, and joined by Kyle Brummett, the eighth-year head coach of the Little Giants. And just, you know, obviously... This airs two whole days after this game. You are, you know, giving me your feedback here about an hour Idiot. afterwards. Yeah. So how does it feel? Uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, um, you know, this is, my, uh, this is my professional life, you know, trying to grind this out. And, uh, you know, eight years at Wabash, um, six years at Defiance, two years at uh, Lakeland, Lakeland College. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to work for Bill Finland um, at DePaul, uh, played for Mike Beitzel at Hanover, you know. So, um, you know, I'm a D3 guy, and uh, I've grown in my profession um, with this being the goal. Um, so uh, it, it feels incredible, a little surreal, um, but uh, we have the right guys to do it. And, you know, that's a that's – a, uh, a little bit of coach speak because Ron Rose has the right guys. Yeah. Um, Jason Zimmerman has the right guys. Right. You know, Emory, I mean, yep. there's just there's so many great teams that have the right people at our level, and uh, it makes it really special to be able to share this with my guys. I was going to ask you who the I don't know most impressive or most interesting person was you've already heard from after the game with the thought that it might be Pete Metzlars, but maybe Bill Fenlon trumps that, and I don't know who it is anyway. Well, we've been running around. I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen my phone yet. Um, my parents are here. Um, my my wife. Uh, my I have three boys. Um, we had. I mean, Mac Petty's here. Uh, All right. Yep. So um, we have so many guys. Guys from the '82 team are here tonight. Wow. Um, you know, guys from the the um, the late '90s that were the last NCAA team, they're they're here tonight. Guys that I coached in my first year at Wabash are here tonight. So, so many people that are special. Um, you know, like I said about our guys, I mean, th- they come from great families. I mean, oh, I mean, you guys could see the f- crowd that we brought, but right. you know, there's just so many special people within uh, our team family. That is that has supported us getting here, and uh, just being able to celebrate that with them um, was was priceless. You talked about uh, in the post game news conference about having flashbacks, about having you know uh, been in a game and lost at Illinois Wesleyan in the NCAA tournament uh, the year that uh, the Titans went on yep. to win the title, and then you've also talked about using kind of. IWU is the barometer, which makes sense. I mean, in this part of the country, that's what you got to do, right? Yeah, they've uh, they've been so consistent, and you know, not just them. I mean, their league. You know, their right. league is so good. Um, great coaches. Um, you know, all different kinds of playing style. You know, size, great guard play. Um, so you you know you can find a lot of really good basketball um, really close to us, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, I'm a junkie. My assistant is a junkie. You know, we study this stuff year round. Um, and, you know, we, we, Ron and I have become closer um, over the last few years. We've scrimmaged, scrimmaged each other, you know, with the idea of, of trying to use that scrimmage to prepare NCAA tournament teams. And, um, you know, it was really uh, exciting to be able to, to play against them, um, knowing how good they've, they've been. If I had been given the opportunity to ask the first question on the Friday night news conference, I would have said something along the lines of, I was surprised to learn that there were players other than Jack Davidson on your team, right? And then, you know, so he goes out um, and, you know, what, dishes out eight assists Friday yeah. night, and then he comes out and he scores 29 on Saturday with one assist, had a you know big spurt in the middle of the game that kind of helped you uh, get out to a run, yeah. put some distance between them. So we saw a little bit of everything from Jack Davidson this weekend. Yeah, well, he's incredible. I mean, uh, you know, he's um, – I don't know exactly what his total is after last night, but, you know, he's well over 100 assists on the season. Um, you know, his assist turnover is, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um his percentages are ridiculous. You know, he's just under 50% from three. You know, he made all nine free throws tonight. Yep. You know, when he misses, you know, I get irritated. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> he, he's 90-plus percent, I believe, on his career. Um, but, but we are a team, you know. And, um, you know, we as a group have really grown as he has made these other guys better. And, uh, you know, it, it starts with the other guys that are now seniors with him, Tyler Watson and Kellen Schreiber. I mean, you know, uh, Tyler's assist numbers are through the roof. He had five tonight. And uh, he'd never played the one before. Okay. You know, I mean, he scored 1,999 points in high school. He never, <laughs> uh, never saw a pass that he enjoyed uh-huh. uh, until about the last few games of, of the COVID season when we were experimenting. And, uh, you know, it's really his play has allowed us to take the ball out of Jack's hands. Um, you know, when, when we made that run in the second half, Jack was just asking for us to give him, get him the ball with his dribble. Yeah. And we learned that, um, you know, in his first couple years, we, we weren't nearly as deep. We weren't nearly as talented. He played the one. There was a lot of dribbling. And, you know, it's easier to guard that. Yeah. Um, now, you know, Letting Tyler be the primary ball handler has given Jack an opportunity to catch the ball with a live dribble. He's really hard not to foul, mm-hmm. um, you know, when he has his live dribble. Well, and that was the next question I was going to ask too, right? He drew seven fouls tonight. Uh, he said in the post game when he got Lambesis out of the game, and that's basically what it was, right? I mean, he got uh, picked up foul number four with about twelve minutes to go in the game, and then fouled out with about five and a half minutes yeah. left. And I don't know how many of those seven were the five that Lambesis got, but it's got to be almost all of them. Yeah, I mean most of them. I mean yeah. he's uh, he's a hand. Jack's a handful, you know, to keep your hands off of. And uh, you know, I thought Lucas Heflin did a did a really good job. Um, you know, we watched them thinking that maybe Corey No and and Yoder would you know take a, more time on him. Um, but you know, when he's in attack mode, you know it, he can lay it up with the best of them. He obviously can shoot the step back and. You know, once the game got going at a pace that that kind of favored us, and he was able to drive it some downhill, it's really hard to not put two hands on him. 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to come back to this game a little bit. I want to talk a little bit ahead in the Final Four, though, too. I mean, obviously, someone is going to be working on a scout for Randolph-Macon and a scout for Marietta. You guys have some film from November, obviously. You've seen them up close, up personal. How much does that help? I mean, it helps. I mean, you know, we played Emory early in the year and yeah. then got to play him again. We scrimmaged these guys and then we had to play him again, you know. And like, you found, I mean, not to interrupt, but you found that stuff from October and November was useful in March? Personnel, you know, definitely personnel. Okay. Um, you know, tendencies. Um, I, and I think, you know, I mean, this is, you know, with you watching us up live, I mean, we're not real big, right? right. So, like, um, having a much better handle on their actual size, I think, really helped us. Okay. I mean, Emory's enormous. You know, I mean, maybe Williams is a little bigger, but they're, they're similar. Yeah. Um, you know, so when we walked into the Great Lakes Invitational um, after the first night and actually were on the floor with Emory, you know, it was it was a little eye-opening, mm-hmm. you know, how big they actually were. And I, I really think that helped us um, knowing – that we could bang with them and we could we could be physical with them and uh and then you know i i think that also helped us last night having played emory twice worcester's a big team in our league they've got you know really big five men but uh yeah i think seeing them gives you an advantage obviously um i don't even know who we play who, who? Uh, you play elmhurst elmhurst won we played them a few years ago um you know we haven't played them but uh you know, we definitely know their personnel a little bit better than, you know, say, playing Williams like we did last night. Absolutely. And if nothing else, you probably run across them in some Illinois Wesleyan film, too, We, right? we do, yep. <laughs> and, you know, like I said, we played Coach Baines a few years ago, two years in a row. And, uh, you know, John Rohde is, uh, is an awesome perimeter guy. Our guys have played him twice, so I think that will we'll get their attention. Um, you've talked, uh, and then um, I think it was um, – Maybe Tyler Watson talked today about the feeling out process at the beginning of the game. I just want to ask if it's a game that starts out on a 10-0 run, where was the feeling out process? Yeah, was that in there somewhere? It, it was a little bit of pyrite. You know, we talk about fool's gold. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think it, it, got us, um, it got us really amped up. Um, it probably got their attention. Um, you know, last last night or or the Williams game, you know, we we felt like the feeling out process lasted twenty minutes. Yeah, you know, like it was, it was much longer than than normal for us. Um, and I think you're right. I think the way the first half kind of just played itself out, uh, the feeling out process didn't really happen until they made their run and and took their lead. And yeah. you know, we had to, you know, we made Amani Jones made a huge shot at the buzzer right. of the half that yep. you know. Uh, allowed us to kind of snap back into playing our way, playing the way that we tried to prepare. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second half, you know, we got off to a much better start to start the second half than obviously after the 10-0 run. Yeah, that that little fall away right there at the that yeah. splash down right at the buzzer of the first half was a huge shot. Was, was fun to watch. It wasn't a great night for him offensively, maybe, but I know that you kind of rely on him more for defensive purposes anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's. Really high percentage from three. Um, you know, he's had some – I mean, he, he missed five games at the end of the year, four or five games with a knee injury. And uh, we, we got him back for a conference tournament, and he played really well. Um, you know, when we were at Emory for the first and second rounds, he really struggled shooting it in the first game, and then he made four threes in the second game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I mean, he's had a lot on his plate. I mean, he guarded Matthew Schneer. You know he that guard, guy's all right. He's all right. He's he's awesome. 
Um, you know, and then he, he had Larritz tonight, you yeah. know, and he's given up, um, you know, like seven, five inches, six yeah, inches. Yeah, probably, you know, yeah. you know, probably six, seven, six, four, you know, maybe six, eight, six, six, four. But, you know, he's also given up, you know, 15, 20 pounds too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's a physical guy. So, you know, he, he likes the game being physical, but, but Larritz is, you know, he's one of the best, um, you know, not just, uh, in his league or in our region. I mean, he's one of the best in the country and that's not positional. I mean, he probably is the best big man. Um, so Monty had his hands full. We were relying on him, you know, Kellen Schreiber got in foul trouble and that, that, you know, changed our rotations in the first half. We were lucky to be able to play Kellen all 20 minutes in the second. And I think that allowed us to give Amani a blow at the right time in the second half. I'm just going to do some quick in the head math. That's 13 points in the second half for Schreiber. Yeah, he was credited with playing 20 minutes and zero seconds. He was four for five from the floor. Uh, all four of his rebounds, one of his assists came in the second half, and he was plus 11. Yeah, I mean, he makes a big difference for us. And uh, unfortunately, we've had a bunch of games where he's been in foul trouble. Um, you know, uh, the Williams game, he played 33 minutes, and, you know, it was – I don't know if it was the most that he's played, but it was pretty darn close. And uh, it, it made a big difference for us as a group, especially defensively and on the glass. Just having another physical body that can get off the floor and go get it in a crowd. And he did that in the second half. A uh, minute and 16 seconds left is one that I wrote down, that uh, pretty big offensive Offen- rebound for him that I thought basically was sealed the game it, for you guys. kind of did. You know, I mean, we had uh, – Jack's flurry in the in the uh, middle part that gave us the lead. Vinny Busilla made a couple shots that yeah. you know kind of held them at bay, and then you know Kellen kind of closed it. You know had that big offensive rebound, and then he made his free throws down the stretch. Um, you know, and and both of our guards are are so willing to handle it at the end of games. You know, like we we have we have played a lot of. Uh, you know, 10 to 15 point games uh-huh. in the regular season. Um, so each one of these close ones down the stretch has really helped us for the next one. You know, I, I've got a whole bunch of people that were in red today that would like it to be a little easier, but that's just not how it is when you play the best. Tell us a little bit more about Busilla. You mentioned, obviously, he, he came off the bench. Those two threes, I think both of them in the second half, right, were, were pretty big uh, at big spots. And you, he got 13 minutes for you in the second yeah, half. Yeah, and you asked about, you know, the four and three start. Um, yeah. You know, him and Idris Redman um, have taken on a lot more minutes and a different role since our first seven games. Mm-hmm. And that role is primarily defensively. You know, they, they really pressure the ball. They spend a lot of time on the other team's point guard. We use both of them to try to wear down the primary ball handler. Yeah. And um, – you know, when you're playing with Davidson and Watson, you know, they got to find some place to really help from. A lot of times they help from Imani, um, but they also oftentimes help from that third guard spot. You know, so for both of those guys, I mean, Redmond has made some big shots for us at different times, played really well in our Worcester uh, championship game of the conference tournament, has had, uh, you know, a, a few uh, really good NCAA tournament games. But tonight it was Busilla. And, uh, you know, for a freshman with this kind of crowd on this stage yeah. to step up and go three for three from the field and make both of his threes, um, you know, he was a really good high school player in Indianapolis. We knew that, you know, we had gotten a, 
you know, a high-level D3 guy. Okay. He's got size. He's athletic. He's a good shooter. He comes from the same high school as Davidson. All right. Um, his high school coach is a Wabash grad. So, you know, like it, it really fits what we had been building. And he'll take on a lot more responsibility when these older guys grow. I want to say I know I'm keeping you from uh, being back with your team and your fans. I'm keeping the Illinois Wesleyan people from tearing down the lights. But we have great lighting on this uh, interview because they've left up the, the really great lights. So thank you. I'll be like three minutes or so more. I mean, I have to get to O'Hare and take a 6 a.m. flight out. And I lose an hour tonight. So I am just as eager to get through this. So Dave owes you. <laughs> so Dave, yes, Dave is buying uh, when we are in Fort, uh, Wayne. Fort Wayne. Exactly. Thank you for catching me. I was halfway to saying Salem. Yep. But Fort Wayne, obviously, big deal for you guys. It this is. is about a three-hour trip for you. If we had uh, you know, 500 or 600 of your fans here on Friday night and maybe a little bit more tonight on Saturday, what do you expect maybe on Friday for that, which I think is a 5 o'clock Eastern time tip-off? Okay. Well, we, we were on spring break this week, too. So you know, our student contingent has been pretty small. Small but vocal um, but and, no, and, and enthusiastic as always every time I've ever seen a Wabash game in any sport. Any sport. They're into it. Uh, they love their guys. You know, they support each other in a really special way. Um, you know, when, when the Final Four got moved to Indiana, I think, you know, as a coach, my staff, my players, you know, the guys that we recruit, you, all, you dream about this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my guys are cocky guys, you know, they're great. They're, they're, they, I, I told uh, an interview earlier that I thought the at four and three, the difference was we were humbled a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they believe that we could do this. And, um, you know, I think the community of Crawfordsville, the, the Wabash people, our alums, they're going to continue to to really jump on this and uh, not miss the opportunity. I mean, I don't know exactly what our number will be, but um, it will continue to grow as we get closer to Friday. And you know that you are chasing another one of these and another one of those things you've yep. got around your neck. And it's important. I mean, you know, uh, it's important to athletics at Wabash. It's important to, to my guys and our, our parents. Um, we're excited to be playing in March, but um, you know we're going to work and get ready, and we're gonna we're gonna be uh, a tough out. Uh, there's no doubt. All right. So, like I said at the top of this, I haven't done a ton of Hoopsville interviews lately, but what I do know is, you know, for the last 20 years, is we give the guests the final word. Any final things you want to say? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate uh, just all of the people that are following Division Three basketball. You know, when I. Um, I was never a great player. Uh, Mike Beitzel brought me along as a student and uh, really got me into this. And like I said, and you know, Bill Finland then um, really gave me a lot of responsibility. Um, but you know, D three hoops and you know, Hoopsville and everything that has grown with it, including you know, uh, things like Bob Quillman and and yeah. um, you know. Our Great Lakes people, I mean, you know, yeah. Ryan does a great job, and the Great Lakes Invitational, I mean, all of those things make uh, the experience that our guys get to have better. And, you know, it's really important that when I have the opportunity that you guys know how much we appreciate you and how much my players appreciate you. They are junkies. They're D3 basketball junkies. So thank you all, and uh, we hope to see you all in Fort Wayne. 
That's how it's supposed to be, D3 Basketball Junkies. He's Kyle Brummett, the head coach of Wabash, going to the Division Three Basketball Final Four here in 2022, and we'll send it back to Dave at Hoopsville. I want to thank Pat for putting that together. Uh, great conversation with Kyle Brummett. Great to hear from them and appreciate his kind words. And, and yeah, D3 Junkies. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue talking men's basketball. We'll head out to Marietta and we'll talk to... See, your guard is kind of important for the team. Lucas Lucas will join us. Sorry, brain in three different gears as we deal with some tech issues. We apologize that the video isn't quite in sync, but we hope you're enjoying the show all the same. Podcast should be fine if you're listening to that, but we do realize the video has some side effects tonight. But hope you're enjoying the show nonetheless. Good content and everything else. We'll take a break. Back with more Hoopsville after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault in any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on a rather sluggish day for the show. If you're an old fan of the show, you'll kind of remember that uh, every once in a while we used to get a computer that just uh, bogged down and would be temperamental. Of course, we get gremlins. That should be one of the other T-shirts we're selling. By the way, did I mention we're selling T-shirts? We'll send out a link again, but it's, of course, uh, pinned to our profile on both Twitter and Facebook, a link to you can buy a t-shirt. We should have made one that talked about the gremlins of the show. 
because we're getting one today. So video is a little wonky, but we're getting through it. You can still hear the show just fine. So we hope that works out. Moving on with men's basketball, Marietta has punched their ticket to the first ever championship weekend after numerous years of we thinking they were going to get there and just could not come up with it. Though it wasn't easy. Obviously, this tournament had some tough games. Rochester game in the second round was was pretty tough. Um, Christopher Newport in the last game wasn't all that easy to get around either. So to talk about all of that and what it means to the program and where they could be headed all of that jazz, because that's what we do on this show. We go to the Hoopsville Hotline, and joining us is a senior guard. It is Lucas Isley joining us on the show. Lucas, for, for taking the time, appreciate it. Congratulations on what I know has been a goal for this program for a number of years. I Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a long dream here at Marietta, and it was a great weekend for us, and we just happy to finally uh, punch our ticket to the Final Four. It was a great Saturday and Friday weekend. Uh, this goes without saying, but the uh, uh, Ban Johnson Arena was um, active. Uh, I could tell from the video, it was pretty lively. And when you guys finally punched the ticket, it seemed like the pop came off. I suspect you guys will have good fan base in Fort Wayne. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just tell us about playing there at home in what is one of the more unique facilities and, and more importantly, being able to punch the ticket there. Active is one way to word it. Um, <laughs> For a D3 program, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, Friday and Saturday, we was able to sell out here. I know that there was people waiting out, outside, wanting to get in. Unfortunately, for some of them, they weren't able to because how packed it was. But, I mean, man, what an experience here, um, especially Saturday, once that buzzer hit against Christopher Newport. Um, the fans were unbelievable. What a great crowd. It honestly meant a lot to be able to punch that ticket here in front of our home crowd and to be able to play in front of them honestly helped us a lot i mean teams know that playing us at home is a lot tougher than maybe on the roads uh due to how we play in front of our fans but no it was unbelievable very epic and exciting um active is a great way to describe it <laughs> active yes um split split uh, uh sessions is always key for you guys so you can fill that place up for your games Absolutely. i'm curious looking back was there pressure this season to, to get it done? Was there not pressure to get it done again? This is a program that is that we've talked about. It sometimes peaked early and as a result gets the NCAA tournament doesn't come through with what I know is the goal of the program to get to the Final Four and what everybody expects. So is there pressure to get this done? Absolutely. I mean, every year here at Marietta, I think there's some kind of pressure um, to make the tournament and go on a run because of how much they expect here. But I think this year there was a little more pressure than most years because of what happened last year with the COVID situation, um, how a lot of teams weren't able to play, but we were, and we was able to kind of show what we were capable of with the few conference games that we played. But also the fact that we was returning five seniors, a lot of guys that had played, and you know, not knowing whether some guys were going to come back for a fifth-year eligibility or not. But I definitely think there was a lot of pressure, and – we were fortunate enough to live up to the moment for it. Um, you know, people here at Marietta have been waiting for that ticket to the final four. And um, it's just been amazing that we were able to finally bring that for them. Um, obviously the, there's the pressure. What's it like to play under that? I mean, is it something you thrive under? Is it, can it, can it get daunting at times? What's that like? I think it's just excitement. I mean, I thrive under it really. Um, the fact that for me, this is 
an hour, a little over an hour away from where I played high school hoops at. So I know a lot of familiar faces were able to come to the game and watch me, um, which made it very exciting for me. But um, no, I think it's something that me and a lot of the other guys thrive under. We find an enjoyment and to be able to bring this kind of atmosphere here to the local fans and everyone who really enjoy watching us play. So um, I think not only me, but the rest of the team, we really enjoy the moment to be able to play in front of people like this. You guys have a unique situation uh, where you both played at the Great Lakes Invitational course at your place. You played at the D3hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas, and now you're going to the Final Four. There's only a, a handful of teams I think have even done slash the Great Lakes Invitational and Hoopsville Classic uh, and D3 Hoops Classic, and maybe not even in the same year, and then still pull off the Final Four. You guys kind of hit some marquee events along the way. What was that experience like? Because you played some heavy hitters in those events, and how did that get ready? Not only was the experience like of those events, but what was how did it get you ready for this run? Oh, um, I mean, obviously, absolutely. It definitely played a role in what our season turned out to be and what will hopefully turn out to be. Um, you know, our AD and coaches did a great job of scheduling some non-conference games and to be able to go places like Vegas to play in that D3 Hoops tournament, um, to be able to host the Great Lakes here in front of our fans and everything and play against teams like Randolph, Macon, and Wabash, who both are in the Final Four. Um, it definitely prepared us a lot. And, you know, whenever we lost that, last game to Randolph Macon here, you know, we kind of said that we're going to better, we're going to be better off down the run because of situations like this. And so the last few games, like you stated previous against Rochester and Oswego state and Christopher Newport down the stretch where, you know, things got kind of tight and really close. I think games like Randolph Macon and Wabash early on the definitely help prepare us for moments that we are currently running into now. Yeah. Your last loss, if memory serves, you, you can do it better than me because do the computer glitches. I don't have it called up in front of me, but I think it's Randolph Macon. And I think that was their last loss. So in some ways, both teams coming into a big game, 25 game winning streak. Okay. You played them, but how much can you lean on that game? Uh, that was really early on in the year, but there's still some things that we can take away from that game to better us offer this round against them. Um, obviously, I think we had a really good first half against them the first time we played them, but we didn't play a full 40 minutes that we needed to against a really good Randolph Macon number one team. Um, you know, coach preaches all year round that, you know, in order to win big games, you got to play great 40 minutes. And that's not what we was doing early on in the season. So I think that's the biggest thing that we can take away from that game. Um, just getting our guys to understand that uh, to be the number one team, you've got to play great for 40 minutes. Interesting. Your team, as I've seen under Coach Vanderwall over the years, you what you look like in November is not what you look like in December, don't look like in January, don't look like in February, et cetera. You talked about earlier, maybe you guys as a program, not you specifically, maybe peak in the February. And by the time we get to March, we're not seeing the, the Marietta we're used to. What's been different? this season because the team we saw in November wasn't the team we saw in Vegas. And admittedly, what I saw in Vegas has certainly improved to what we're seeing in February and March, but it doesn't feel like you peaked. So how has the season progressed from your perspective differently than the past? Well, first off, I'll say you're absolutely correct. Um, we definitely was not playing our best in November and even December in Vegas. Sure. Um, 
but it's definitely been a learning experience, not only for the older guys, but the younger guys. Like I stated, we have five seniors who all get a decent amount of playing time, but we're also playing some new younger guys that have never been in big time experience games. For example, Willoughby that comes off the bench, Black that starts as a four man, um, different people that have never been in big time games and have never played an NCAA tournament game. So whenever we play those early on games and stuff, I think, as I was saying, it was a learning experience for not only them, but for us older guys to play with them, and help them experience and understand, you know, what it's going to take to win these kind of games. Um, you know, early on in the season, it's just kind of hard to truly find yourself. And I think as the seasons went on, we've just looked at that. We've went one game at a time to make sure that we're not looking too far ahead or anything. And I think that's why we just continue to get better and better. And um, hopefully what you mean by peak is we can get two wins this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know that's a big deal. And obviously big games ahead, as you point out, three of the four you you are familiar with, not only your team, but what Wabash and, and Randolph making as well. Um, it won't be the band center or the band Johnson center, but I get the feeling maybe – a little bit blue. Uh, it's not that far a drive for your faithful. It's not that far a drive for Wabash or Elmhurst. Randolph-Macon's the furthest away. What are you expecting uh, Fort Wayne to be like? I'm expecting there to be a lot of pioneers to show out. Um, you know, I don't know exactly for sure how many people has gone. I do know that it's just a little over a four-hour drive, which is not a bad drive. And I know that a lot of Pioneer fans would love to make that trip for it. So I'm expecting to see a lot of Navy Blue up in the stands um, Friday and hopefully Saturday. And even though it won't be Ben Johnson Arena, I know our wonderful fan base will do a great job there. No, it, 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 I'm looking forward to an absolutely incredible atmosphere for the game. I, I It's a dumb question to ask, but I, I'll ask it anyway. The season, has it been successful or do you need a national championship for it to be the success for you guys were hoping for? It's been successful, but to a certain point. We, um, we sat down and kind of talked today just for a little bit, and we said that, um, you know, making history, making it to the Final Four, it's something special. It's something we'll always remember here. And Saturday night, whenever that buzzer finally hit, you know, that's going to be stuck in our memories forever. But if we can pull off two wins this weekend, nothing will compare for, to that from what happened this past weekend. We'll forget about what happened this past weekend in the Final Four. So, I mean, it has been a very success, successful season, but it's not the end goal and the end mindset that we've had all year round. So, I want to say yes to that question, but no at the same time, because this team knows what we're capable of and what we would love to accomplish. And that um, goal is still right in front of us. Sure. Makes total sense. Uh, give us a little bit of background for you. Uh, what, what's your major? What interested you in Marietta and all that? So I'm actually a land energy management major. Um, it's a lot of oil and gas, wind and solar, that kind of side of it. Um, I come from a very small town, and so that's kind of how I got interested in it because it was real popular from or back from my hometown, my area where I'm from, Monroe County. I I'm guessing because of fracking and all. Yes, that yeah, is correct. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I really got interested in that for that reason. But um, I wasn't sure what sport I wanted to play in college. Um, I kind of debated back and forth between football and basketball. Um, but I told myself, hopefully, that if I played basketball, I would stay a little injury-free. But <laughs> that 
been that's really been the case my four years here, unfortunately. But um, no, uh, Marietta was one of the first colleges that was recruiting me. Obviously, like I said, they were somewhat close. There's not a lot of colleges near where I'm from. So I was very fortunate enough for a great program like Marietta to contact me and try to recruit me. And after kind of coming to a game and experiencing um, the atmosphere, the players, what it was like here, having that kind of home feeling while also being close to home uh, played a big role and a big part in why I committed here. And I have no regrets for it. And I've loved my time here. What side of the land energy are you hoping to 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 progress in? Are you looking at the oil and gas? Are you looking, you mentioned the solar and everything else. It's obviously the kind of newer form and, and more maybe futuristic side of it. Which side do you hope to follow? Um, to be honest, right now, I'm kind of just putting in applications in different places to see what my best options are. Um, there's not really one side or other that I would prefer to go to. I just think no matter which way you go, um, there's great opportunities for me and others. So there's not, like I said, there's not one side that I really am favorable of, but it's just something I've always enjoyed and would love to learn about. In, in, in some way, no matter the future period, there's business on either side of that equation. Yeah, there, yeah. There, it's going to be work. Um, Absolutely. The drive into your area, the drive into Western Maryland from where I'm from is always very interesting ever since uh, fracking and all. So I find that fascinating. I appreciate your insight. Curious, though, does that start next year? Or because of COVID, technically you got another year. Uh, that's an interesting question that a lot of individuals have asked. Oh, me. I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, my mind's not totally um, made up with what this season has offered me, though, and how I've been very fortunate enough to finally go through my first full season without a serious injury that has taken me out from three or four games. Um, I think it's going to be kind of hard for me not to just enjoy this moment and kind of walk away from it but I'm looking to the future and I, there's a lot of things I would love to accomplish in my life and I'd love to do and I've been playing sports for a long long time so um, I'm not going to give you a full answer but I am somewhat ready for what the next step in my life has to offer for me. I, I can respect and honest, understand that totally. I We don't expect an answer or or understand where the, the question could take it so trust me right. no big deal especially after COVID. I mean that question now is a much more open-ended one than we've ever asked it in the past. Uh, back to the team, back to you, back to how you guys play. I'm curious. I watch you guys every once in a while, and I'll be like, all right, they're in a dogfight. I remember the John Carroll game uh, near the end of the season. I'm like, geez, you know, this is a big game. They're going to have to come up with a stop. And, oh, 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 you guys just all of a sudden shot the lights out of the building in like five straight possessions, and it goes from a tight game to, to not. What? Is the switch there? What gets you guys to suddenly go from a game that's tight and you're playing well to just shooting the lights out of the building, yourself included, and all of a sudden it's no longer a game? I don't know if it's necessarily a switch or how to describe it. I just kind of want to say that, you know, kind of near the end of games, whenever we're able to pull away, I feel as, as if that's whenever teams really start to wear down from all the banging and the hard work that we put in for the first, let's say, 35 minutes of the 40-minute game. Um, you know, we're known to be kind of a second-half team. I would think a lot of people say that because we tend to go into halftime down by a few points. Um, but, you know, I think with the big hearts that all of our guys have, we just kind of wear teams down. And whenever, whenever other teams are 
kind of struggling late in the game, that's whenever we're at our best and we're able to get hot. Um, you know, we're in great shape. I think a lot of our guys, I mean, the training and everything that we do, we take it very seriously. So we have been able to kind of be in shape and just wear people down. Curious against Randolph-Macon, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for you guys? Um, To be honest, we haven't looked too much into it yet. Um, Fair. But I just think the biggest thing for us is play Marietta basketball, which I know is a very simple kind of slow answer, but we know what we're capable of and we know how to ex execute and do what we do. And I think if we stick to Marietta basketball and we obviously don't let those great players like Mallory, like buzz go off, I think um, we're capable of something special. So they're a great team. All respect to them. Um, I know I was able to talk to Buzz for a little bit after the game the first time that we met them. And it's funny because he made the comment to me that he he said that we'll see you guys later in the tournament. And that was really awesome hearing that from someone like Buzz because that's someone who I kind of like look up to a little bit, seeing what he's been able to do there at Randolph-Macon. But, um, no, it's interesting. Um, obviously, we have a lot more to learn about them. But I think the biggest thing for us is just play Marietta Pioneer basketball. Well, I definitely would start with Buzz. Uh, that that just just a thought um but he's he's not the only one <laughs> i agree uh by the way i would definitely play marietta basketball because if you play i don't know john carroll basketball it might be a little weird there on the floor <laughs> just a thought i agree <laughs> sorry I had a little a little fun with that a little coach speak from you i appreciate it hey listen appreciate the time appreciate you bearing with us as well uh congratulations absolutely on the pioneers punching their ticket i know that's been a big deal for that program and you guys getting it done was pretty impressive uh we have a tradition on the show we always give the guests the final word any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in uh first of all i'll just say thank you for having me on it's been a privilege to come on here and be able to talk about the team and everyone and the fan base um for those of you who are watching, love for you guys to come out and support. Um, thank you to all the fans, everyone, for everything this year. My family, coaches, teammates, what a ride it's been. Um, hopefully, it's or obviously it's not quite over yet, but hopefully we can get the job done. And all of us are really looking forward to this weekend. So thank you very much. Well, uh, congratulations again. Safe travels, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys in Fort Wayne. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Lucas Isley joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate his time. Great to chat with him. Uh, fascinating to hear his backstory as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, another student-athlete hopes women's basketball program will be represented. We'll talk to Kennedy Schoonfield. Schoonfeld coming up here on the show. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Coach of the Year, 
Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Just checking out my watch. See what else is going on. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can join us on Facebook. Not live simulcasting the show. I apologize for that. Uh, those gremlins are right at it again. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Maybe we'll upload this show there. So those who like it on Facebook can watch it there. YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. I know you're there. We'll try and jump into uh, the live stream. Well, there we are. No one's in there, but I hope everybody's enjoying it. Um, Again, tech issues tonight, not sure why. Love to give you an answer. We don't have it, uh, but I hope you're enjoying the live show. The podcast should be just fine. Switching gears, talking women's basketball. Of course, hope women's basketball having a tremendous season. No surprise there. Unfortunately, their big um, winning streak ended earlier in the season, but they've made up for that. That's their only loss of the season coming in the end of January. They're still on another winning streak, and they get to re exact revenge again and again against Trine. And they face him for the fourth time this season coming up in the semifinals. To get a better understanding of all of that and how it all plays out, we decided we'd uh, change it up. We, we hear from Brian all the time, right? We, we hear from Morehouse. He talks to us constantly. We get his take. We love his take. But we need a new take. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is one of his senior guards. It is uh, <laughs> Kennedy. Sorry. See? Brain? Kennedy Schoonfeld joining us here on the show. I had to make sure I got it right so I didn't screw it up. Hey, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Congratulations. <laughs> Tremendous. I, I know this has been, this is almost a rubber stamp goal for all HOPE programs, but you had to get here and you got it done. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, first and foremost, what's it like to, 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 to play for Brian Morehouse? Oh, my goodness. Um, it is a whirlwind <laughs> playing for Mo. Uh, we have a lot of fun. It's pretty intense. Um, intense practices for sure. Um, but <laughs> it's been a fun ride, been a fun five years. Uh, it feels like it's an understatement that it'd be intense. Uh, <laughs> Brian's a really nice, calm conversation to have, but I've seen him on the sideline. It's anything but calm. Um, he makes it look nice in the, uh, in the nice shirt and tie and jacket, but we know the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I let's start from the one I think is the biggest thing I'm fascinated by by you guys. Listen, I talked to Brian last year. You all were gone. Mm-hmm. Lost a chance, obviously, with the championship canceled. I know Brian was really bitter about it. And <laughs> he has he's made that well known. Mm-hmm. You all decided as a class to come back. What was that decision like? Was it made as a group? Was it made as individuals and happened to work out? How did that all evolve? Yeah. Um, so my class last year was actually nine of us. Um, so a really big senior yeah. class. And only three, yeah, only three decided to come back. Um, and we each we each made an individual decision, but I think we were very swayed by each other as well. Um, we, we all had different factors playing into it, but um, I think Olivia Vasco was the first one to decide officially that she was coming back. And then it was a little bit of a domino effect. Um, <laughs> we had a conversation after a practice, I think right before the MIAA tournament. And she said she was leaning that way. And I said, I was kind of leaning that way. And so we both were like, all right, we're doing this. And then Sydney followed shortly after that. So, um, obviously Brian must have been smiling ear to ear, but what was it like from your perspective, not only to hear one of your teammates is interested in coming back, but that everybody decided to do it. Um, it, it was a lot of fun, honestly. I think we're, we're a super close group of girls. And so um, we just weren't ready to be done playing together. Honestly, I think a big part of it was we wanted the opportunity to play in a national tournament for sure, but we just weren't ready to be done playing together. Sure. So it was a lot of fun that we were all coming back. Yeah. It makes total sense. Um, again, you come back, that's a, that's a sacrifice. You're, you're, you're sacrificing work that you probably have lined up. You're sacrificing, uh, you know, the costs of going to hope for another year. You're trying to figure out, um, how to make that work. I'm sure what, what studies do you have to do and how do you make that, uh, coexist? You're sacrificing your body to some extent because you're beating yourself up for another year when you're when maybe in your mind you thought you were moving on. What what was that all of those sacrifices like as they piled up? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a big decision. Um, I had already applied for grad school at that point and gotten accepted to a couple different places and and actually had made a decision on where I was going. So I had to kind of put that on hold and deferred that for a year. Um, and that was a a big decision for me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough on your body for sure. I'm definitely feeling it now. Um, being in his, in most program for five years will definitely beat, beat up your body a little bit. Um, so yeah, it was a really tough decision. Um, not one that I took lightly at all. Um, but ultimately I think, like I said, I wasn't ready to be done playing with this group. And I, I really wanted the chance to play in another tournament again since we had gotten canceled my junior year heading into the Sweet 16. Um, so I was just really hoping for that chance again. Uh, talking to uh, Schoonveld here uh, of, of Hope, talking about uh, moving on and, and playing for this season. Uh, again, the other aspect of everything is you had a insane winning record uh, record going at, you know, was it 60 games by the time it came to a close? Mm-hmm. Something that Gordon Mann and I talked about was if that could have continued, you would have had a situation where you could have come close to breaking the all-time Division three record and yet only one national title. 
That's a bit of a quirk. Was there pressure to keep the, the record alive because there was no title? And on top of that, what's it like to, to have this great program and you don't have all those titles? Yeah, I think there were there were pressures that came along with the streak, as everybody called it around here. But um, I, I don't think we ever really thought about not having the titles. I, I think we were just really more bummed than anything that we didn't have the chance to try. Um, so, yeah, it is a little weird now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but Coach Mo does a good job of lean, having us lean into that pressure or like um, – just kind of embracing it, but not letting it overpower us as players. So what our goal was to try to do was to lean into it, but take it game by game. Um, every game is big. Every game is important and the street doesn't matter. Oh, sure. Uh, but we knew everybody was talking about it. And so in some sense we had to kind of um, lean into that. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it doesn't um, doesn't matter at all. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah, no, not at all. We were trying. We were trying not to make it matter too much and not let the pressure be too intense. Um, so I think Coach Mo did a good job of that. But yeah, I think we are just excited to be be in the tournament now at this point and, and even just have the opportunity to compete um for a national title. But I don't think that was ever really on our minds. Um you know, the last couple of years, we were just mostly bummed <laughs> that, that it had gotten canceled for two years. Sure. What what was it like to have the, the winning streak come to an end? Uh, not only the fact you lost it to your, you lost it, but you lost it to basically your other yeah. rival. We all know Calvin is the rival, but you mm -hmm. lost it to the other rival in trying. What, what was that like? What was the locker room like after the fact? What was the emotions like of losing that, of that streak? It was part of, I think your identity. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> it was a sad locker room, a frustrated locker room for sure after the game. Um, but Trine's a good team. Trine's a very good team and they played very, very well that game. Um, and they, they definitely deserve to win that game for sure. And we knew that after it was done. Um, and so I think it took some wind out of our sails for sure. And it took a couple of weeks to get our mojo back, I think. Um, but ultimately, I think we learned a lot from having that end and um, losing a game. And we've been playing pretty well recently, I think. So, um, yeah, we just we just took lessons from it. We had to move on. Um, and at that point, we were like, it's done. The pressure's away. Now we got to move forward and try to create a new streak in a sense. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you got the memo. You're playing them in the semifinals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, obviously it's tough to play another team or a team, you know, well, for the fourth time period, obviously you've gotten two yeah. wins or yeah, two wins since then. Right. Um, also, I just forgot that Against one. Against them. Yeah. No one win since you, you made up. One for, yep. You got the win in the, in the conference uh, yeah. championship to make up for it. So obviously you'll face them a fourth time here coming up. It's tough, yeah. but it's also a rival in the semifinal. So if there wasn't a pressure enough, it's a team right. that, you know, real well, and now you're not even playing it at home. Right. Yeah, I mean, we are just excited to be going to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Honestly, we're excited to be going to a Final Four. Um, and like I said, Trine is a really good team, and we will have to scout hard. We'll have to practice hard this week. Um, and it will be a challenge for us, for sure. It's tough. Like you said, it's tough to play a team three times, let alone four. Um, but they're a good team. And honestly, we're excited that 
two MIAA teams are in the final four. Like that's a really cool thing um, and something to celebrate as well. Yeah, we've seen two NESCAC teams in the past. Um, we were just talking about 2013 at Hope, where it was Williams and Amherst on the other sides of the bracket. Unfortunately, you're not on the other sides of the bracket. I'm yeah. assuming, though, it's championship or bust here. This is not a successful season if you don't walk away with a natty. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, okay. obviously, that's the goal. But I think we have no regrets about the season. I think we've played really hard. We're a really close team. We've stuck together through lots of adversity. Um, so I think, I mean, we've had an awesome season and I don't think that we, that if, even if we don't win, like nothing can take away from that. Um, but obviously, yeah, that's the goal. We're hoping to get there, but we got some good teams to play before then. So. Well, fair. Um, school, you have a, a record at school of 128 and eight, your class. That's, yeah. that's staggering. I mean, just mind blowing. Does, does it, do you guys realize what you've done for a program that was already pretty darn good in the first place? I don't know if that's really sunk in for me all the way. I didn't even know that that was a record for us. I mean, senior day, they mentioned something about it this year and we were like, holy cow, that's crazy. <laughs> but that's really all it was. Senior um, day would have been but, about 120 and eight. So you've added a few to yeah, that, to that time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it's just been such a fun ride. It's been a great program to be a part of. I've learned a lot. I've grown a lot. Um, and it's been, it's so fun to win. Of course, it's so fun to win, but um, more than that, I think I've just grown as a person. Coach Mo does a great job of building relationships with his players um, and our team chemistry and culture. I mean, some of these girls I'll be friends with for the rest of my life. So those are things that I'll take with me more than the wins or the streaks or anything like that. Something I want to dive in more about your playing career. A few bullet notes from Alan that he gave us uh, three time MIA MVP. Um, got that this season. That's a first at hope. Five-time All-MIA first team, which, of course, rare because we don't normally get five years, but you pulled mm -hmm. it off. Well done. <laughs> uh, third all-time in career scoring with 1,459 points. You need 18 more to, to pass for second. That's Francesca Buchanan. By the way, don't worry. You're not that close to first place. Uh, <laughs> you, you need to have – well, I, you know, it's not out of reach. I mean, if you score average, what, uh, 50 points a game in the next two, you could get there. Just saying. Um, the other thing too, is you average 11 points per season in the regular season. That average is now up to 17 because you have had a prolific NCAA tournament in terms of scoring. Did the light switch get turned on? Did everybody else say, forget it. We're not scoring. It's all on you, Kennedy. What happened here? Oh my gosh. No, I, I have told a lot of people this, but I think we have one of the most unselfish teams ever. Nobody cares who scores as long as we get the job done at the end of the day. Um, but I think my coaches have a lot of confidence in every player that steps on the court. And I think that has instilled self-confidence in me and in my teammates. Um, and so, I don't know, I just want to keep playing. I'm not ready to be done. And so I'm trying to leave it all out there every single night. And I hope that can continue. Makes sense. Uh, let's switch back to your academic side. I have a list here of the Jostens finalists. Your name is on this list that will not surprise you. You knew that already, um, <laughs> but it may others who weren't paying attention. Um, you, as you said, you're heading off to grad school, be at Baylor. Uh, a couple yeah. of notes that say here, obviously all, we know the, uh, the 
the uh, career side, the the playing side of it. Um, a GPA 3.8 as a social worker. You, according to the notes I've got, you spent a summer in uh, Lesotho. Is that correct? Lesotho is how it's pronounced. Oh, it said Lesotho. Okay, that makes yeah. 10 times more sense than what I'm reading. Um, <laughs> as an intern social worker for Beautiful Gate, working with children under five as, uh, again, uh, back in 2020. Give us a look. Tell us about why social work and, and that internship and, and what you're hoping to do with all of that. Yeah. Um, so my family did refugee foster care when I was growing up as a kid. So I was exposed to social work kind of at an early age. Um, and I, I loved the relationship that the kids that came through our house had with their social workers and wanted to help kids in that way. So that's kind of where I got my start, I guess, that are where I first kind of thought I wanted to do it. Wasn't really sure, but at that point I was introduced to it and, and enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, I, yeah, I just ended up majoring in it. I think actually coach Mo was like, we have a couple of players now on our team that are in social work and absolutely love it. And I think that that's a great fit for you. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> my freshman year, I, I went in and I started taking classes and, and loved it. I loved my professors. I loved the, um, community. Like my cohort was really close. We did, we took classes together. We, did community service together, um, just lots of different things. And I, yeah, I fell in love with it there. And then, so I had actually gone to Beautiful Gate um, in high school on a like two week mission trip. And it was an awesome experience. And then got reconnected with their volunteer coordinator there and said, hey, I know you guys have a social worker over there. I would love to kind of just learn from her and study under her for a summer. And They'd never had that before. So it was kind of like all the stars aligned for that to work out. Um, but it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Really hard and heartbreaking in some ways. Um, but I learned so much culturally and in diversity um, and also just knew that that is what I wanted to do. I, I knew for sure that social work was the right career path at that point. And um yeah, it was just an awesome experience. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah, but refugee social work, that's a whole nother level. And of course, being reminded right now that that is needed more than ever mm-hmm. in our world. That That is certainly a challenging thing. And I tip my hat to you, to say the least. You're also, again, a Justin's finalist. What does that mean to you? Oh my gosh, I, I don't think I can even put into words how much that means to me. Um, to, to be even nominated for that by Coach Mo means the world to me. Um, and he, when he told me he put me up for it, he said some really kind things and, um, I was just honored, truly I was honored. So, um, to be a finalist now is, is crazy. I did not expect that to say the least, but, um, I couldn't do it without my coaches and teammates supporting me all the way and encouraging me, um, and my family to have played a huge role in that. So I wanted to give them a quick shout out. Well, congratulations. Um, back to the game, you're heading to Pittsburgh Games on Thursday and Saturday this year. A little bit of a twist if you should win. Yeah. You're playing on Saturday in the championship game. Have they given an idea of what's going on? Because Pittsburgh's hosting the D1 men's uh, opening weekend as well. Have they hinted that you guys might get a little taste of that? <laughs> I, I'm not sure yet. I think we're just really focused on Thursday at this point. <laughs> and then whatever comes after that comes after that. 
Um, my family's coming down too. And I know they already have tickets for Friday's games in Pittsburgh. So <laughs> they'll be there for sure. But I don't know about us yet. <laughs> they're just using you as an excuse to go to the D1 tournament. That's exactly. what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. That's sad. I'm sorry, Kennedy. <laughs> I'm really am. We're going to have to talk to them about their priorities here. Right. I know. Jeez. For real. Hey, well, congratulations. I know it was, again, rubber-stamped goal because we knew for years that you guys wanted to get to here. And so congratulations on getting here finally since it hasn't happened since 2019. Uh, we always have a, uh, a tradition on the show. We give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? I just appreciate you having me on tonight. It's been a pleasure. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, from what I heard, Coach Mo's not all that scary. I don't know after all these years if you understand that yet or not. Just figured I'd let you know now. Is it? I might be too late. <laughs> no, he's not all that scary. I mean, maybe when you're coming in as a freshman, he might be, but it gets better every year. <laughs> <laughs> or you're coming off the floor after making a big mistake. I can understand oh, yeah. that too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, thanks for the time, Kennedy. Congratulations. Good luck this weekend. We'll look forward to seeing how you and, and the rest of the teams do. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Kennedy Schoonville, Schoon Schoonfeld. I am just making up versions at this point because my brain's working as well as my computer is at this time. But appreciate Kennedy joining us on the show. We'll take a break when we come back. Pat Coleman comes back. We'll also talk about the Jostens. And the NABC All-Star Game was announced. WBCA will have an announcement coming soon, but the NABCs is out. Talk about all that coming up. You're listening to Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3 Hoops. Hey, all just a heads up. I am uh, stopping the commercial because we're just going to reboot. We're in the audio issue is 10 times worse than we thought. Um, we know the podcast audio is going to be fine. So on the podcast, don't worry, we're not rebooting. But on the video, we're going to stop, reboot the computer and come right back to the stream as quick as we can. Uh, maybe so you can hear Pat Coleman and the rest a little bit better. So again, 
Stopping the stream. We'll be back momentarily. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Monday evening, I apologize for the technical glitches that we had all night long, but we appear to be in a better place now. I'm looking at the numbers on our computer, and we're in a far better place. Probably should have done that earlier tonight, but honestly, sometimes you get into it, and you are bogged down, and you just don't know where things are going to take you. And so you try not to screw it up, and you push through. Maybe we shouldn't have. I apologize to all of you who tuned in and watched some absolutely wonky interviews. We are hoping that the audio will be better. Um, well, we know the audio will be better. Maybe the archive will be better. I have no idea. We will find out as we get closer. If you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Um, so there you go. I know, again, there were some issues. I apologize. Not much what we can do. Um, <laughs> I, I also wonder if some of this was not on us and it's on the blue frame side because... I can't imagine we were sending out the audio and video in that dramatic a sync problem. But I rest my case, and here we are. Um, again, audio will be fine, so we'll have that turned around for all of you who are watching live, and things should be better down the road. Um, so there you go. It, it, it can never go smoothly. Uh, by the way, did I mention we're selling T-shirts? We have mentioned this on a few occasions because we do have T-shirts. Um, and uh, you can check them out if you want. I should bring up some pictures of them, actually, if I can find a way to do so. Give me a moment here. Um, selling T-shirts, you're allowed to, to buy some. Um, you can get the Hoopsville logo on the front. Um, you can also get some other things on the front. Um, one of the logos, uh, you can get even like hashtag Glean, believe it or not. Um, you can get, um, well, like I said, lots of options. And so you know, take advantage of it and uh, and join us. Um, wearing a Hoopsville t-shirt. You can even get like hashtag Hoopsville put on the back if you want to. Um, lots of choices. And maybe you'll take advantage of them. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll show you them in a second here. I'm just calling them up. Give me a second. There, there they are. That's what our t-shirts look like. So we got a tweet. We'll send it out now again. Um, literally, um, three different styles, three different options. By the way, if you're really careful and paying attention, you will notice that, um, there is an option to add something fun on there. Just, just a thought you can try it. So there you go. There's three t-shirts available for you. We'll send out a link to it yet again here in a moment, and maybe you can enjoy it as we're back on the air here and hopefully a little bit better a stream as it were. Uh, so lots to talk about. We still have Jostens and NABC All-Star to mention here momentarily, but I figured we'll uh, spend as little time talking about or a little time doing that as joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline to talk about all of these things. Pat Coleman joins us. Um, last I checked, your audio should be fine, uh, as they say. Uh, okay. Good to see you. Um, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, and maybe good to be slightly... seen. I was going to hold up a sign that said, Free Kennedy... Because uh, I have yet to hear her interview, but uh, the Lucas Isley one was great, so that's good. To, that's good at least. I, I'm telling you, man. I I uh, I just get more surprised. Um, I hate saying that I'm an expert in this field because sometimes I am surely not. Um, this one this one surprised me tonight. Uh, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, the tournaments have lived up to expectations. They both have been real good to this point. 
Yeah, we've had real good tournaments for sure. Um, you know, I, I wanted to start with the women's tournament for just a second yeah. because I think I don't remember if I said this on a previous show that I was on or if I just said it, you know, multiple ways across Twitter and, uh, you know, our message board, D3boards.com and that sort of thing. But voting in the women's poll this year has just been kind of a an adventure in resetting expectations and recalibrating what I think a good team is because, you know, we had this situation where, um, you know, not quite since the last time we crowned a champion, but pretty close, you know, Thomas Moore left division three, St. Thomas left division three. Um, that's two really good prominent programs that, you know, they just disappear teams that for a long time would have been in the top 10 of my poll. And I just kind of recalibrate everything underneath it. Right. Um, to think that, you know, this team that I'm putting 14th right now, or this team that I'm putting 12th right now, I don't really feel like they're the 12th best team, but obviously someone has to be 12 in my, in my ballot. Uh, but if, you know, if I remind myself that, you know, two years ago, this team probably would be 14 because St. Thomas and Thomas Moore would be ahead of them. I don't know. Made me feel a little bit better. Um, and then you watch this year, the run to the elite eight, like uh, by teams such as Smith Smith takes, uh, you know, you know, or run to the, I guess, uh, not quite to the elite eight for Smith. Right. But, uh, but within a steal. <laughs> yeah. Within uh, seconds. You know, time of an elite eight for smith and in trinity texas an actual run to the elite eight all the way to the actual elite actual eight um me as a voter uh they may not i know that in talking with ryan scott over the course of the weekend they did not surprise him as a voter he seemed to do just fine uh he had voted both of those teams in his top 10 so kudos to him he's got a much better uh women's basketball top 25 poll than i do we talk about you know the men's bracket always has upsets it seems to be more the nature of men's basketball. The men's top 25 sometimes is harder to vote in because so many teams beat each other all the time. And that just doesn't happen in the women's game. There's a little bit more top heavy in terms of the talent, whereas in division three men's basketball talent is spread all over the effing place. It's not quite the same in the women's game. And sometimes that shows in our NCAA tournament. I not this year. I feel like, uh, you know, a little bit more surprises, on the women's side, which makes it a great tournament. And then obviously, you know, the men's bracket has been what a men's bracket has been like, and it's been a lot of fun to watch that game, those games, that bracket, that just to have the two weekends and have a third one coming is of course, pretty awesome too. Yeah, of course uh, we are, I say it's March, sorry, it's March 14th. We're two days removed from the two year anniversary of everything getting absolutely derailed. So it's just nice that we're talking died, right? about going to a, Fort Wayne and Pittsburgh. Speaking of which, you're heading to Pittsburgh. You're, you're, you're going to take in a little double dose of semifinals, sir. I'm going to Pittsburgh and Fort Wayne. I mean, the 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 stars aligned for that to be possible this year. Uh, the women's semifinals are on Thursday. The men's semifinals are on Friday. And they are, you know, a few hundred miles apart by car. I'm going to both. Why not go to both if I can go to both? So that is what I'm doing. And shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm going to represent, say. of course, Gordon Mann. Gordon Mann will be there throughout and has been, uh, you know, our point person on women's basketball for most of the past 20 years. But, uh, you know, I will be able to join him for those semifinals and then see two more semifinals on Friday and then an all-star game and a championship on Saturday. Yeah, I um, I actually seriously looked to go into uh, both Pittsburgh and, and uh, Fort Wayne, just, just logistics. Uh, 
just got in my way a little bit. Wasn't sure I could pull it all off in the grand scheme when I have to be there Friday for a little earlier and all that and blah, 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 blah. Um, really wanted to try it, but it just didn't work out. But looking forward to it. I mean, listen, the women's is stacked. You've got trying and hope facing off. You've got um, an absolute doozy on the other side in a rematch of 2013 between Whitewater and Amherst. Uh, if anything, I think, I don't know if this is going to be a defensive battle weekend or an offensive battle weekend because you've got a couple teams that can do both. Oh, that's interesting. And now you've got me digging into like the specifics of our three, right? Our three hope trying games this year. Right. That's one of the things that excites me most about this is that, you know, we're not coming into a year where, um, you know, hope has completely laid waste to absolutely everybody <laughs> sure. every single time. It's not quite every single time because, you know, of that uh, little matter of that 70 to 62 loss at home to try and back on uh, January 26th. Um, you know, those are two, two of those games were in the sixties and seventies. One, uh, the, the conference championship game, the conference tournament title game was in the fifties. It was a 54 50 game. Um, I would suspect that this is probably going to be more like the latter. Also, it just seems like, you know, as the, doesn't it seem like as the year goes, and these games get tighter, the rotation doesn't get bigger. You would think the rotation gets deeper, right? As teams get more experienced and you better know who your, who your uh, players are, who are able to perform and players get more experience and that sort of thing. I really feel like it's the opposite and teams rotations at this time of year drastically shrink. Yeah. I, the only thing I'm thinking is hope has put up some serious amounts of points this year in the tournament, in the tournament. Um, Gordon's yeah. note, uh, they're they're on the verge of breaking Whitman's scoring mark, and they'll obviously play an extra game, so it's going to be easily broken probably. But that said, trying might slow them down, and, and then you got the other side, Whitewater, who can certainly go with a lot of points versus probably the the most defensive centric team that we've ever seen. I mean, GP will the drag that- the the he'll drag a Grinnell type system team squarely into a forty point game. I mean, actually, I would love to see that. We should. Uh, that would be kind of fun, wouldn't get, it? If we can get, uh, since they come to the D3Hoops.com Classic so often, uh, we should see if we can get them and uh, the North Central women there at the same time and actually put that to the test. That'd be interesting. That um, you know, that Elite Eight game obviously was a bit higher scoring uh, and it seemed to work to their advantage. I mean, they kind of wore down Trinity, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as the game went on, they got uh, they got much better. Trinity had a lead early. Uh, Amherst, uh, you know, was still down by a few points at the half. And then Amherst came out in the third quarter and kind of put that thing away, um, which is that in and of itself, not surprising, but a 79 68 score for Amherst in a, in a game like that, maybe a little bit. I, you expect, I think, like I do, that they're going to be much more like that uh, second round game against St. John Fisher, or of course, a classic 48 45 game against Tufts in the round of 16. That, that is more like the Amherst we come to know and love, right? I said it earlier on the show, uh, whatever Gordon's wording was for it, a crime against basketball. Um, I mean, obviously tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Um, and then on the men's side, Pat, I mean, we knew we were going to get some powerful teams, the Final Four, no matter who got through this, because the bracket was stacked with some really good teams. But Randolph-Macon has made really good teams look average so far in the tournament. You've got Marietta, who we just had Lucas Isley on again, who hasn't peaked, it seems, or at least is peaking, however you want to term term that. 
Uh, and that's going to be a, a dandy of a game. Unfortunately, you could argue maybe that should have been the championship game. But again, Oshkosh got knocked off and others. So you just, you know, how would that really have turned out if we had gotten everybody there we should have gotten? Um, but I mean, and got knocked off, by the way, it's side note, Case Western Reserve with two incredible weekends doesn't work out for him. But as a result, Elmhurst ends up showing yeah. how good they are coming from behind against a really good Mary Harden Baylor team. This is this is a bonkers Final Four. I mean, Dave, I'm just going to use your program to promote my appearance on another podcast, which will drop tomorrow, uh, in which I talk with Chris Cottrell of Small College Basketball, all of this stuff on the Men's Final Four. No, no, no. Let's talk about this because we got uh, we got all sorts of stuff to talk about, right? I mean, tell Chris this, to call me uh, next time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you got this. I don't know why they keep calling me. They're the few people who call me instead of call you. So That's, I guess I have no, to take that good. every once in a while, right? No, no. Um, Randolph making a Marietta, right? This is a this is a rematch. Obviously, um, you talked with uh, Lucas Isley on the, about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I talked with Coach Brummett about these sorts of things in the interview that aired near uh, earlier in the first hour of the program, and you know, just kind of picking Ryan Scott's brain on this too, because Ryan watches more film than you and I combined. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And what and was in Marietta for the first matchup between these two games, and, and one of the things that he keeps pointing at is that. Um, you know, as good as Randolph-Macon was then back in November, they're much better now. Um, it is because, uh, you know, Josh Merkel really wants his guys to play defense. And if you can't play defense, it's really difficult to get on the floor for him. Now, that in and of itself is not unusual, right? I mean, that has been a hallmark of Randolph-Macon basketball going back multiple coaches. Well, at least the only two coaches that also coached Randolph-Macon in the tenure of, uh, of our website. Um this is not unusual, but, you know, the, the point being, the point I'm trying to get to here is that the uh, Yellow Jackets front court is much deeper now than it was back in November. They got, uh, you know, two more guys who you can plug into those spots who Merkel clearly feels comfortable putting out there in big games. So, you know, we talk about Buzz Anthony, obviously, you know, great handle on the basketball. We talk about Miles Mallory and we've talked about him. We've been talking about him for a couple of years, um, you know, uh, Talbert, a great guy in the backcourt. As I look over here on this screen, previewing tomorrow's all region team, I'm looking at his name on this screen somewhere. So, you know, there's a lot of guys at Randolph Macon who you already know who are going to, uh, are going to make big impacts in this game. And, and they're not alone is what I'm saying. I think they're a little better now, obviously, uh, you and I saw, for example, Lucas Isley in Las Vegas yeah. go, I think, oh for nine from three point range, right? Uh, he did not make a three the entire uh, the entire tournament in those games. And then you know you also see him go off for thirty six and thirty eight points in pretty big games as well. I guess you know the one thing I would want to see is see him get off to a good start early. Um, Ban Johnson uh, gymnasium, you know, we've talked about it. You talked about it. It is a little band box of a thing, right? Yes. The, the shooting lines are a little bit different than our gym back in Hickory. This is and not to compare them to uh, Hoosiers necessarily, but it is a, uh, it's a smaller gym at home. It's a really big arena, a really big arena in Las Vegas. I'm sorry, in Fort Wayne, much bigger than the place we play in Las Vegas. So that's the one thing I wonder about outside shooting teams. Um, and we'll see how that goes. That's, that would be, if I had a question, about that game, that would be the one. No, that's a good a good point. Uh, something I didn't consider was was how big the shooting spaces will be uh, in Fort Wayne. And the other thing too, and now that you bring it up, the floor 
and I'm quite we'll we'll see what floor they've got. Okay. But I remember in 2019 the fact that they had every single possible three point line on the floor, oh. and we saw a ton of shots from outside the NBA range because I think subconsciously guys see the line in the corner of their eye. And your instinct is to get beyond it. It doesn't matter what color it is. And so guys were taken. Now, granted, Aston Francis was there. That's 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 an exception to the rule here. He shot from wherever he could. He shot from the parking lot if it's on occasion. But there were guys who were taking threes that shouldn't have been taking them from that deep. And that is the only thing that I, I don't know if they've changed the floor. I don't know if we've gotten a floor that can be... You know, college only because they have a G League there. So that's why the NBA range yeah. there. They do high school stuff. That's why the high school stuff's there. They've got the international. I, that'll be an interesting twist because if all the lines are there, I think that makes an impact on the game in a in a weird way. And now that for you everybody, the shooting, but, that's for everybody but Jack Davidson, right? Right, except for Jack Davidson, he'll be fine. Yeah. No. Again, speaking of Ashton Francis and shooting from the parking lot, um, right. he'll be fine. Um. And of course, Wabash getting back. Um, great interview, by the way, with Kyle Brummett. That, that was a fun one to listen to. Um, and Thank a great, you. and then we obviously had a chat, or not, we didn't have a chat. We've had a chat with Jack Davidson recently. And we've also talked right. on the flip side of that with uh, John Baines getting there. Slight note this is going to hurt Bob a little bit. At least Illinois Wesleyan's there. Oh, Illinois, Illinois Wesleyan University is there, not the. Current the basketball school. program. I see yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. I see what. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Fair enough. I, it'd be fun. You know, that makes for a fun atmosphere, though, right? I mean, yeah. We 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 know that Marietta will travel. Um, you know, we know for sure Wabash will travel. Uh, there's a you know not only you know. Uh, sorry, I've got cat in the background. I'm I'm, I'm I had a sitting. dog a moment ago, and then the I'm cat sitting this week. So um, my apologies for that. No, um, you're fine. Right. It's a, it's about three hours from uh, Crawfordsville, Fort Wayne. There's a ton, a ton of Wabash people in Indianapolis, which I think is a little north of Crawfordsville. Anyway, um, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a big deal to see them come out. And I think about Elmhurst, um, you know, that's a team that hasn't, as far as we can tell, traveled super well. Um, there wasn't a lot of place. There weren't a lot of places to sit at Case Western. So that in and of itself, not a big deal, but I'm talking more about like their conference tournament, their, their conference trips. Um, I'm going to, you know, think that maybe we've got a good chance of them being like Catholic was in 2001, a school that, you know, generally didn't have fans that traveled great uh, during the regular season games too far, but an opportunity for them uh, as the first time in the national championship uh, in the semifinals that they might be able to muster a bunch of people to make, which I think would be about a similar drive, uh, maybe three and a half or so hours uh, due east out of uh, Chicago, you know, uh, east on 80, drop down on 65, get on US 30, go through a bunch of stoplights, go through a bunch of more stoplights, and then eventually get to Fort Wayne, Indiana. I I would just think that that's a possibility of something that might go well. No, certainly. I, you know, F, F, Rangan, bleh, Randolph Macon's the furthest away, but they have a really dedicated bunch. Their students, by the way, were just insane. Not that that's a surprise at uh, at their gymnasium, Crenshaw, this past weekend. Pretty, ex- pretty expecting that to be bonkers. Uh, I agree with you about Wabash and Marietta. Obviously, travels well, so we might actually get a, a pretty well well attended um, championship weekend 
Uh, which nice. unfortunately, that place is really big and there's a lot of seats there. So I don't know how many people it will take to make it. A oh, big sure. Atmosphere, fair. But, yeah. yeah. And 2019 is uh, rough because they were expecting a certain amount and they didn't get it. And on top of that, as you said, it was spread out. Oshkosh didn't travel like we thought. Swarthmore didn't travel barely at all. I can't remember who the other two were there, unfortunately. Wheaton. Oh, Wheaton didn't travel. I mean, they traveled, Newport. but not like we thought they would. Christopher Newport's a long way away, too. And Christopher and Newport was a long way Actually, CNU might have traveled the best. <laughs> yeah. They brought a band and everything. Hey, um, That's true. They bring the band. They did. Um, of course, we'll have the All-Star Game there. Side note, women's All-Star Game will not be played. I mentioned this on the last show. Um, they will announce a roster, but um, I'm not. A, I, I don't have all the details. But it sounds like uh, a funding issue that hopefully will be resolved by next year. But also a uh, logistics issue because Pittsburgh's hosting men's D1, so only so many rooms to go around. But men announced their All Star game. Um, I, I should note, Pat, and you probably will get questions about it. I know I did. Some people saw a few of the of the individuals who were being voted on for the final spots. Ended up making the team, even though they didn't win the vote. We should point out there's guys who sometimes turn this down, and the NABC's got to dig into the well a little bit. Yeah, actually, to be honest with you, that always happens. Uh, I would bet that if you know if we've had in the past eight guys in the final vote, we've probably had two or three additional beyond the two that get voted in, because you know, like you say, right? There might be someone who is first or second in the pecking order for a particular region and ends up having to turn the game down. For example, I mean. Let's just, uh, this is probably hypothetical and we're certainly making an assumption, but there's nobody here from Yeshiva. You know, this game is going to take place during the middle of the afternoon on a Saturday. So a Yeshiva kid basically could not play in this game, right? Because of the, uh, because of the religious restrictions that, uh, that they have against doing these sorts of things in the middle of the day on a Saturday. So, you know, that's one less person from region three, you move everybody up in the pecking order, you know, um, if, uh, I'm looking at our region eight list, for example, you know, you've got uh, Jack Nolan from Wash U. You, you, we knew early on that he was going to be in the game because they got eliminated the first weekend. You know, I don't know if it was offered to Matt Laritz and he decided to turn it down. That's right. certainly a possibility. Kids do that, right? I mean, if you go out in a heartbreaking way in the round of eight, you may not want to come back and 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 suit up one final time in an exhibition. Well, and like to be honest, I think it's totally understandable. And then you go to the next guy on the list, right. Quentin Shields, who was in our final vote. Next well, guy, and you might eight. have spring training plans, and and nothing against the final four. That's about the only thing that's going to cancel your spring training. Your spring training. Sorry, into baseball mode there. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, uh, spring think- break plans is what I tried to say. Um, because that's happened. We've known guys who are like, listen, I, I've got break plans. It's going to cost a lot of money to get out of it. Obviously, Final Four, you get out of it for that. But yeah. maybe not for the All-Star game. And that's right. okay. I mean, uh, Kenneth Fukan, I'm pronouncing his name hopefully correctly from Penn State Barron out of Region 7, right? There's two Region 7 teams playing in the in the, in the the Final Four, right? you you got to figure Jack Davidson was going to be in this All-Star yeah. game if they hadn't won this past weekend. And you got to figure, um, you know, I, Jason Ellis, who's the senior and uh, most outstanding player in the uh, for Marietta, most outstanding player in the Ohio Athletic Conference, is probably on this list too. Neither of those guys is eligible to play in the All Star Game on Saturday, so they go to the next guy from Region Seven. Right. I think those things all make sense. Yep. Um, and again, uh, All Star Game will take place before. I'm guessing. I don't. Did the t- did the presser have the time? Is it three o'clock? Okay, that's what was my guess. So that'll take place three p.m. and. We'll have information on how you might be able to watch it on D3 Hoops as we get closer to that point. Um, 
That is Dave's project. My project is getting those all region teams out tomorrow. Morning. That's where my segue was to next. Um, all region on the docket, which leads to all Americans all this week, but starting with all regions, you want to just give everybody kind of a, a quick a reminder of all that. Yeah, so what happened is over the course of the past couple of weeks, uh, sports information directors from all you know 420 whatever eligible schools, everybody who's a full member of NCAA Division Three. So there's usually not a big number of exceptions, but this year, you know, I think St. Thomas of Texas still being a provisional member of D3 and having the SCAC Player of the Year probably would have had a guy on this all-region team, but this is the last year that they're not eligible. We right. presume that they will become full members on July 1 as they are scheduled to do so. But basically everybody else had the opportunity to nominate players and we got uh, about 784 or 748 nominations. I forget the exact number. You can read that on the site tomorrow. I wrote that page a week ago. Um, Though all those uh, players are nominated across those 10 regions. Um, And then we had a, uh, we had a kind of a handpicked crew of sports information directors and our team vote for each of those uh, vote in each of those regions. You know, know, ranking guys one to 10 or gals one to 10 or one to 15 or whatever. And then, you know, what I've been doing today is tallying up votes and making sure our front courts and back courts balance out and that this cat behind me has been giving me hell all day because I've basically sat in this chair and done nothing else but uh, but do this sort of thing, right? It's not just a matter of tallying up votes. It is also, like I was about to say, making sure that it's still a team, right? There's still yeah. enough backcourt, enough frontcourt players that you could put that five on the floor and it makes sense. And then also, you know, are we, uh, how are we representing each conference? Is each conference's player of the year is on there somewhere. Hopefully they were nominated and eligible. Um, and uh, what are the other, there was like, there's one other uh, kind of quick fact check type thing that we go through here that uh, I frankly have, burned my brain out on because I've done this 10 times today. And Gordon Mann has done this 10 times today on yeah, women's and then, basketball. And we should point out that they then put them up on a chat for us. And then Ryan and I go, but wait, I got a question. Oh, wait, what about this? Or, Hey, what, what about that? And, and we get to pick and, it apart. And generally, and generally we've thought of these things already. Gordon and I have but right. not always like, we'll go to the crew. We'll go to, we'll go to the, the team and go, all right, listen, We've got three coaches in region, blah, 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 that we really, uh, that all probably would make really good coaches of the year. Give me your, give me you your all best get it. on that. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a, it, it's, but, it's, but those are fun conversations, yes. right? At, at least. Um, and then the same, oh, rookie of the year is the other thing. So rookie of the year, a little extra wrinkle this year because rookie of the year for us is always a freshman who had not played college basketball before this year. But 2021-22 is the year for exceptions in all sorts of places, right? (laughs) So we did make an exception for anybody who played four games or fewer last year in the COVID season because those people were not eligible for our all-region team last year. We had an all-region team last year uh, for that, um, you know, for that shortened season. Anybody who wasn't eligible for that was eligible this year. And I actually do think we have a guy, at least in the men's side, a rookie of the year, a regional rookie of the year who did play games in 2020. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I just can't place it off the top of my head. But yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah. So um, so that's just one more extra layer of having to search through websites to see, is this guy actually a freshman? Is this guy actually a sophomore? 
um, you know, that sort of thing. But that's been and that, that comes that's been one extra thing today. And that will all come out tomorrow morning. It will all come out tomorrow morning, and then that feeds into our All America discussions, which uh, you know we'll have similarly over the course of the week. So the All Region team has a layer of sports information director and uh, D3 Hoops staff voting. And then the rest of this is just like a conversation. It's like, we are literally basically doing what the uh, committee does. It's like, here is the top, here are the top backcourt players now in each of the 10 regions, um, which one goes on, which one goes on the first team first. And then the next one from, you know, region five or whatever basically. shifts up to fill the spot. Right. Yeah. It is not that dissimilar. No, um, it's eerily similar. In many it really ways. is. It's like, um, it's, you, and we get down. So then you get down to the end. So like the, I think I, we've had lots of d- discussions and the Twitter verse has been rife with discussions this year about who first team all America is. Oh. And, um, you know, I will say this, I, I stay away from those to, combos. I will be very happy to have two more games on Friday to help us uh, make yeah. those decisions because we will not finalize that stuff until, uh, after Friday night's games and we'll announce it. Saturday before the championship games. You can find those things on d3hoops.com. And then Dave, if you and I are doing an audio broadcast of the title game for the first time in a few years, which it sounds like might be a thing, then we will announce that there. Uh, but previously we've also announced it on those, uh, uh, on those Hoopsville shows that we've done uh, that you've done in Salem and in now Fort Wayne. So yeah. either way, there'll be a live announcement and then you'll be able to find the actual All-America team on Twitter and on d3hoops.com, which is where you should go and click on an ad uh, sometime on Saturday evening. Afternoon. Maybe we do it Wordle style. We just put it up and people try and guess, and then you eventually get to the right answer. I, I don't know. I'm not sure how many of our first teamers have just five letters. Yeah, that might not so. work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buzz has four, so that's, no, that's not going to work either. I was to say, last name is, uh, yeah. you think Buzz Anthony is going to be a first teamer, huh? No, I'm just using it. I was thinking of every single team. So I I mean, let's just, I mean, but first for kicks and giggles, shall we say, um, you know, you've got a first team of, well, everybody thinks Ryan Terrell should be on the first team. Everybody thinks Jack Davidson should be on the first team. Everybody thinks Buzz Anthony should be on the first team. By the way, those are three guards. So what are we doing now? Right. Right. Where do you get your, do you get your Jason Ellis in there or, um, you know, or your Isley. Lucas Isley, or your Josiah Johnson. Uh, that guy's a guard, right? Right. What in the world are we going to do? I don't have an answer for that. Tune in sometime. Oh, uh, yeah, that week. just buckle up. Sometimes it's funny because the centers or forwards or whatever, sometimes are easier conversations. They get harder as it gets deeper. Because there's fewer of them? Yeah. But the guards are a harder conversation because we have so many we want to put higher up. And we have to, to yeah, agreed. Yeah, but we still feel like we have to have at least one big man on each team, if not two. Oh, it's absolutely. No, we want a team to actually step on the floor. People still play basketball that way these days. Yep. Hey, sir, I'll let you go on that. I'm going to read off the Jostens awardees coming up here in a moment. Obviously, that will come out later, too. Um, thankfully, I didn't out, have to I vote today. March I had a 24th, small I think, is what? Hmm? I think I saw March 24th as a... Oh, is that one? Is? Yeah, I know the I know our ballots have to be in later this week, which is nice. So. And honestly, Dave, that's a great field. I mean, that's a really oh. good uh, set of finalists. For the first time in a while, I look at this list and I go, hey, wow. Yeah. We've got, uh, you know, top to bottom, a bunch of great basketball players. Like, it has been so much 
the academics and community service has been a huge part of this uh, award, maybe even more than the Gallardi Trophy is for football, which ostensibly they have similar, yeah. um, you know, similar criteria. But, um, you know, basketball, the basketball award is kind of skewed very heavily away from pure on the court success. And, you know, maybe as I look at these, uh, you know, men and women who are on this ballot, I'll look and see their academics and their community services go, okay, yeah, um, maybe this does also make sense. But I look at it as like, oh, yeah, great basketball players. And I'm very happy just to see that right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, I'm always one who in this award, I always like leaning it towards more this community service and academics because we have the player of the year award. We have those kinds of things. So I like the idea that we can honor those who have the academic and community service award, but I'll admit sometimes you're looking at them and you're like, well, geez, they were a good basketball player, but they weren't great. And then the great basketball players don't have this ad, this side of it. And you kind of get in this weird no man's land. These are 20 (laughs) incredible Men and women who are doing incredible things on and off the court. 22. Oh, right. 22. I apologize. Yes. Yeah. Tie for the final spot, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Exactly. So I look forward to voting those, but we'll mention those in a minute. But any final thoughts before we let you go, sir? No, I I look forward to seeing you on Friday and seeing Gordon on Thursday. And, um, you know, I got uh, to hearken back to the uh, conversation with uh, Coach Brummett. I uh, Fitbit told me I literally got no sleep Saturday night uh, to, and then got up at 4.15 to get on that 6 a.m. flight out of O'Hare so I could get back to Minneapolis. So you definitely owe me something that's going to put me to sleep at some point. Yeah, I think we can work on that. Just maybe on the right day. We don't want you sleeping too late on the wrong day. We'll figure it out. Uh, my flight out on Sunday morning out of Fort Wayne is not until 9.30, and I'm super happy about that. Well, that's not bad. That's about the time I'll be driving home, I suspect. So that works out nice. Hey, sir, thanks for the um, time. Um, thanks for the hard work for everybody in D3. I'll just say that flat and, and get it out there because I know you and Gordon are doing a lot of the heavy lifting while Ryan and I just chirp from the background. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate it. You're not it. wrong. Nope, <laughs> nope, not wrong. Not wrong. Hey, you take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Pat Coleman joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate his time uh, joining us. Yeah, quickly, we'll talk about these Jostens here. Uh, men and women. Um, on the men's side, let's talk about the finalists. Uh, we're just reading them in, in the order. They're on my on my ballot here. I'm not going to give you particulars, just naming the people. Um, I, I'm going to say his first name wrong because I can never remember how to do it right, but Naomi Adam from Wheaton, um, Illinois, that is, class of 2020. Uh, Buzz Anthony from Randolph-Macon. Uh, actually, these are all class of 2022s. Uh, Buzz Anthony from Randolph-Macon. Nick Bauman from Trine University. Jack Davidson from Wabash College. Connor Delaney from Johns Hopkins. Uh, Robert Hawkinson from New York or NYU and New York University. Jordan Johnson from Concordia, Wisconsin. Uh, Matt Larritz from Illinois Wesleyan. Luke Rogers from Tufts. Um, Dempsey Roganbuck from Linfield. And Matthew Schnur from Emory. And for the women, it's Jenna Taylor from Simpson, also all class of 2022, by the way. Um, Jenna T- Taylor from Simpson, Hannah Geisfield from Bethany Lutheran, Avery Jordan from DeSales, Abby Lawrence from Case Western Reserve, Shannon McCoy from Keene University, uh, Dia- Diara Odin, I know that one, from Johns Hopkins, uh, Lee Porath from Wisconsin Oshkosh, I hope I said your name right, Kennedy Schoonfield, Kennedy Schoonfield. Uh, from Hope, Elizabeth Singleton from Clark Summit, 
Riley Stafford from Fontbonne and Olivia Weenel, Weenel, Weenel from Shenandoah. Uh, congratulations, all them. We're voting is uh, the rest of the week. And then, as they said, I think the announcement will be on the 24th, which is, what, 10 days from now, I believe? I'm not sure how they're doing it, being that nothing is in Salem. So I'm not really sure how it's all going down. I forgot to check on those details. But you can find out all on d3hoops.com, of course. I um, want to thank everybody for coming on the show. Uh, thank all the SIDs for help with the uh, videos that we aired at the beginning of the show. want to thank Ellen uh, 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 Babbitt at Hope. By the way, they are a stand-up group. I went and uh, checked out the highlights from the last game against Hope and uh, for the game, this, the, the sectional game, Hope versus NYU. And they were balanced highlights. It was awesome because they gave NYU the, the same respect they gave Hope, which is impressive. And uh, so, Alan Babbitt, great job of you guys as always, but thank you for your help. Also, um, I want to thank jo Jeff at Marriott. Marriott. <laughs> Marietta. My computer up here is going haywire. Uh, thanks to Jeff for his help today as well. Um, uh, and thanks to others. We weren't able to get some guests on the show tonight. Um, we did reach out to, but thank their SIDs for making the effort. Uh, apologize for all the tech issues, people. I really, I, I really apologize. Don't know what happened. Um, hopefully the audio is okay. Hopefully the video turns around and is okay. We'll figure it all out. Uh, I have a feeling there was a combination of multiple problems that we finally figured out and got through. But worst case, uh, the audio broadcast will be fine, and, and we look forward to putting that together for everybody. Um, and there you go. Uh, as for shows later this week, we're really not sure. We were hoping to put a show together later this week. Um, but doing a show on Thursday makes no sense because the Women's Final Four will be taking place, and we don't want to step on that. So there won't be a show Thursday. Thought about maybe piecing together something on Wednesday and putting it out there. But to be honest, I also have to get on the road and get going to Fort Wayne. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to pull that off. Again, we will not be doing pregame and postgame shows in uh, Fort Wayne by the traditional method. We may do some mini shows from where we're sitting at uh, courtside. Uh, but we're not going to do a big setup. It's just too complicated. And Pat, as he indicated, Pat and I may be calling the um, championship game audio style for the first time in forever. Only because we're not sure how CBS is broadcasting their game. We're still looking into that. In the past, CBS Sportsnet has never live-streamed their stuff. Um, but NCAA Turner is not live-streaming either. They're not doing an audio-only broadcast, so I am unsure of what the plans are. So Pat and I are planning to do it, and we believe Gordon is planning to do it from Pittsburgh as well. Again, the women, the semifinals and championship game for NCAA and then CBS will be Leah Segundo and... Alex Del Barrio on the call. And then for the semis in Fort Wayne, it'll be uh, Brendan Gulick and myself on the semis. And then for the championship, Jason Knapp and Mo Cacera. Uh, I believe if we have the all-star game broadcast, and again, there's some details being worked on. It may be Pat and I and others on the call for that, but we're still working on those details. Stick with us on D3 Hoops and D3 Hoopsville on Twitter. Go to d3hoops.com for more information uh, as we will share that information when we learn it on those two avenues. Again, d3hoops.com and D3, and then at d3hoops and at d3hoopsville. And of course, hashtag d3hoops and hashtag hoopsville as well. As we look to fight it out for the walnut and bronze. Appreciate you all sucking it up with the tech issues. I really do appreciate you dealing with that for us. Uh, I, I apologize yet again. Um, we will wrap up the season worst case scenario next Monday. Will be our uh, traditional season finale. Uh, we will then transition to podcasts in the off season, 
But uh, traditional um, season finale will be next Monday as we rack up, wrap up the championships. And with that, we sign off. Thanks to um, um, Lucas Isley coming on the show. Also, thanks to Kennedy uh, Schoonfeld for coming on. And thanks to Kyle Brummett for sitting down with Pat Coleman and Pat's efforts to get us that interview as well. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. I want to thank our partners of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, Blue Frame Technology, and of course, D3Hoops.com for their support. And I hope you enjoy it as well. Don't forget, we got t-shirts available for sale. Uh, please don't be a stranger. If you want to get one, buy one. We've got them available. Um, and we hope you take advantage of it and uh, enjoy them. Uh, they're only going to be available for the end of the month. So, again, find a way to join us uh, with a T-shirt. And with that, we sign off. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. We'll see you back. We'll see you at Fort Wayne if you're there. Make yourself known and visible. Otherwise, we'll see you back here next Monday as we wrap up the 2021-22 season of D3 Basketball. Good night, everybody.